Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? First off, if you want tickets to come to a taping of the Pete Holmes Show, our test shows start October 16th, and then the week after that we will be taping our four air shows. Come on out. Come on. I want a lot of weirdos there. We had a lot of weirdos at the pilot, and it makes such a huge difference. So please be with me at uh, this very important time. If you're going to be in the L.A. Burbank area, go to PeteHolmes.com slash tickets. Uh, it'll be great to have you there. I really hope you can make it. PeteHolmes.com slash tickets for free tickets to the Pete Holmes Show. This is a wonderful episode with my, my friend Horatio. Uh, we actually didn't even know each other that well, and now here we are having a, having a good old chat. A good old chin wag, and he was such a delight. And, and let's get into it as quickly as possible. There are also two tour dates on uh, PeteHolmes.com: one for New York, one for Boston. New York is October 10th. Boston is uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving at the Paradise. Go to PeteHolmes.com for tickets to that as well. Here is the ad. <laughs> are you supposed to say that? Here's the ad. It's Squarespace. You've heard of this before. Squarespace. We're so glad is one of our sponsors. They are the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code WEIRD10. It starts at just $8 a month and includes a free domain name if you sign up for one year. Squarespace has over 20 highly customizable templates for you to choose from, and every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of the website, so your content will look great on every device, every time. It's incredibly easy, but if you do need some help, Squarespace has an amazing support team that works 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. So start a trial with no credit card required and start building your website. Squarespace, everything you need to create, to create, <coughs> so close, everything you need to create an exceptional website. Thank you, Squarespace, for your support. Good way to support the show. Use Squarespace, help us out, and get a good website in the process. That's it. Horatio, PeteHolmes.com slash tickets. And uh, Boston and New York tour dates. Hope you're hope you're gonna hope you're gonna do one of those things. <laughs> hope you're gonna do one of those things. Listen to this podcast. Come to a show or come to a taping. I have a feeling you're gonna do one of them. Ray. <laughs> weird. Already. Weird. Are you into it? Yeah, I'm way into it. Are you into being called Rish? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rish. What's wrong, Rish? I understand. Attracted to comic book girls. How's your day, man? Really good. Today? I guess, yeah. Yeah, better than regular? Yeah. Really? Yeah. What's going on? I just uh, Feel I just had a pleasant afternoon. Sunshine? So the sunshine's been good. I've been in, uh, in Seattle for a few days. So. Is that right? Yeah. So you got a little Vite D? Mm-hmm, little Vite. Little Vite D. <laughs> oh, God, I love having improvisers on the show more than anything. I really do. It's just good living. It you, is. You is it good living? Oh, I think you guys are doing the Lord's work. I really do. A good improviser can, not always, but can be like a very good person, like a good person, not, not necessarily ethically or morally, but to have around. I, I think. Who's upset that Matt Walsh is somewhere? You know what I mean? Exactly. He's yeah. great. People that'll say Vite, not to overread into that, but that's that's a good feeling. 
to be listened to. Lost oh, yeah. art for people looking for cues. That's what we do. We, we listen and play. And always, we're always ready to play. LP, baby. And then when you say Vite D, I'm not like, what is that? Right, right, right. I you just, take, I, I figure what it is. And you're I go with trained it. and you go. And maybe you say a little Vite D before you're even sure what Vite D means. And it's also, it's also pretty good for just socially when you're out meeting people to just agree with them a lot. Right. They, that's uh, that's uh, win friends and influence people is like people love dogs because dogs listen. Like, you know, they're attentive. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I've often said, uh, not, I always quote myself on the show. We've done I this podcast it, yeah. so <laughs> so much that I have to reference something I said before. But like a good a good lover is very attentive, not just you know uh, talking and stuff, but like you know fucking like they're paying attention, like they're they're external. So you think that. improvisers are better lovers than stand ups? <laughs> I think stand ups yeah. I think stand ups do the same thing over and over again. That's and, what it was. Ah, you are, son of a bitch. No, no, You've I, gone right for my jugular. I, I, no, I no, really no. respect stand up. Of course you do. But I no, I know what you mean. Actually I, I you know, I do both. I studied at uh, UCB. Should I say that's your theater? Your theater. Yeah, you could say it's my theater. Your I don't theater. own it, but it's my theater. The yeah. Raish <laughs> <laughs> The Raish Theater. And I, I believe that uh, improv is very important and beautiful, and nothing makes my dick limper than seeing a stand-up do bad improv. You know what I mean? Where, where it's a forced premise. See, that is bad love. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like yeah. they have an idea of where it should go. So somebody that you're sleeping with, if they have an idea of where it should go, that's going to be some bad love making. Oh, yeah. Right? You need to take cues. Cues. That's and right. That's what it is. When you see, I just heard, uh, you know, TJ and uh, Dave, they were on, I believe it was NPR, they were talking about how long they'll go before they even do something funny, because they're just like, it, it, you can't force it, you know what I mean? They'll do like 10, 15 minutes, they have the luxury, because they've carved have that, yeah, yeah, an hour, but like, they'll take time before they know what the scene is. And dare I say that's something a little bit spiritual, is waiting for some sort of cue, waiting for something to happen, and then for two people to follow that in the same direction at the same time, feels like a tribal sort of thing yeah it's 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 uh definitely uh it's a group thing so you gotta you're, you're ready to to sacrifice your bit right you know if, exactly if something just it. happens to be better you just like uh you have to go with that such a beautiful thing in fact that uh, sorry to keep going on these tangents but that's something that i've noticed when i improvise i'm talking about just like life bits with other comedians other stand-ups I, I remember it hurt my feelings more than I thought it would. I was riffing about something. We saw some store or something. <laughs> and I was like, what do they sell there? Time machines or something? And then the guy I was with had a better thing. So he said what the better thing was. Now, that's pretty standard for high school. Oh, right, trained right. professionals, don't leave me dangling. That, that, it's like a cold thing to do. I said time machines. Make it better. And you're a funny person. Right and time so, machine. So I, it was probably was good B. enough. It was a B minus. <laughs> yeah, the time machine. That's like good enough to leave. Go ahead, it's follow like, it. It's like if I do a bit and then uh, someone does a bit on top of it, yes. and, and I don't think it's as funny. Right, I'm not going to be like, no, try again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm like, sure, man, time machine. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Well, you know, <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> It's interesting because there's a certain level, whether you're improvising with other people or improvising with yourselves or just writing alone at your computer or even just kind of trying to entertain yourself on a long car ride. I think – and this is a Keith Johnstone thing uh, from the book uh, Impro. I'm sure you're familiar with that book. I'm familiar with it. I haven't read it, but I'm familiar with it. It's decent. It's it's got some good stuff. It's not really about improv necessarily, but there's some good stuff in there. And he he talks about like we need to learn how to stop censoring ourselves because we have – 
this is pretty trite, but we have that shitty person inside of us that's telling us all the time that what your first impulse is is wrong, stupid, you should be embarrassed and keep it to yourself. And good improvisers will often just like have found a way, even though you know we're all insecure artists on some level, we've, we've triumphed to a certain degree over that and been like, I'm going to go with it. I had a feeling, I'm going to say it. You do have the support of your friends, but even when you're alone, I think you have to have that instinct. Yeah, and I think that um, a lot of people tell you just go with your first instinct, but I, I think you should go for your second or third. There you go. I think you could your mind could work quick enough to kind of edit a little bit. Yeah, and, but you build, even build that in and encourage that. Is that is that what you're saying? Yeah, and I think that uh, you know it doesn't have to be the the craziest first instinct, but it, it definitely uh, you try to make it different. So it's 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 in that world. It's right. in the world of right. Who gives a fuck? Right. But but it's a little finessed, I think. We we get okay. So I guess what we're saying is maybe the beginning, the 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 pre uh, the adolescent stage of improv or learning how to do comedy or be creative. I think is learning how to greenlight yourself, and then once you've opened that first door, learn how to open the second and third as quickly as you open the first. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's very. Pa- you have to be very patient because I think when you're learning improv, you want to be super funny really fast. Yeah, you know, and stand up does give you that. Like you can go on your first night. And get a have a good joke and get good response, right? But, but like when you're improvising for the first time, you're like, God, I'm not funny. But right. it really is the hard. It's the worst way to get into something, right? To it's almost like how can I look good and funny at the end of this scene? So then you're already not thinking about what the person's saying, right? So it's just uh, it's just kind of like mellowing out and feeling that you're um, that you're going to say something okay, right? And, you know, I, I'm always pushing this on the show, but being present. It, I, and that's something that we're really, there's a lack of that in today's society. You know, we're all on our phones. We're all uh, demanding things and getting them instantly. TV, film, music, everything is just at our fingertips. So it's, it's hard to compete with that as just another human. But when you are in just a black box theater and you are improvising with somebody and, and just being like, what happens if I pay attention? Like I was just watching Conan on Letterman. When, this was a long time ago, right after the Tonight Show debacle. Conan went on Letterman and the first thing they did was sat in silence for a good 30 40 seconds you know what I mean yeah that's good improv you know what I mean yeah Conan could have come out guns blazing and been like I'm gonna go and go Jay screwed me and got a big applause or whatever the fuck uh-huh. yeah. or Letterman could have been weak and had some sort of quip that he, yeah. that he or some, one, like putting him down a little bit put him know. down or, or had that line like gone to bed thinking about what am I gonna uh-huh. he, neither of them did both of them went out took a moment to in a weird new age way, just be in each other's space. You know, I was going to say consciousness. You're very new agey lately. I am very new That's agey. That's good, though. I know, you're catching me on a new age day. <laughs> this is a particularly new agey day. But uh, you're, you're allowing yourselves to see what, what is it like when we're sharing the same energy or space. And, and then what is the cue? And did Dave look at me? Did he look away? Am I looking at him? Am I looking away? And then the third element is what, how is the audience percolating? You know what I mean? Are they yeah. titillated? Are they playing with us? Are they noticing what's happening? And how long can we play that out? And then that's – so good improv, whether it's occurring in stand-up or if it's in traditional theatrical improv, you know, the Del Close style thing – uh, I think is is just being present. Yeah, it's and and that said too, you know, there's there is a little more that that's going into it, like especially at um, at UCB. Like I, I I don't know whose school is the best school of of improv, but at UCB you pretty much have two people coming out at the same time with their own ideas. Yeah, and you decide pretty quickly which one you're going to go with. Right, and um, when it's good, it's just a negotiation that is continuing through the show where it's like. Um, that's a funny idea. I know how to make it better. 
right. uh, that's something I want to revisit. Or, but yeah, I think the you know like you were talking about TJ and Dave. Yeah, that's that's a really nice way to slowly get into it and get all this information, <clears throat> and the audience is listening to the information as they're talking. So, you know, those guys have a lot of information to to choose from as long as they stick to the to the idea, which, right? Which they seem to have a, a great grasp on, right? And commit, yeah, yeah. And that's, I think that's why musical improv is is, uh, is a good uh, exercise, even if you're not going to do it all the time. Because I, w- I was just talking, oh, it's some, scary as shit. Yeah. It's scary, but you have to commit. You have yeah. to belt out your stupid idea to a song, yeah. and then you have to you re- have to be a French waiter and sing yeah. with a, an accent, <laughs> and, and then repeat it. You know what I mean? And then and rhyme and rhyme, yeah. The rhyming is, I think, what, what really gets people. But I, I think the real lesson in music improv is that you have to really dig your heels in and be like... I, I think I've even told this story on the show before, but I'll, I still have. I went to improv, uh, improv Boston, which is in Cambridge, and I saw them do the musical improv night. And there was this guy, I still remember the song. It went, there are six bedrooms to sleep in, four bathrooms to poop in, one kitchen to cook in. It's the best house here <laughs> that's how the song went and the kid did it and in it. his the kid sold it. he didn't even sell it it's oh. more beautiful than that he he did he said it he said the words he didn't give up but he was shaking a little bit and just seemed like you know they were kind of new the team and like you could tell it was bad it didn't rhyme it doesn't even really make sense six bedrooms four bathrooms one kitchen and oh, yeah. i wasn't doing it. the math yeah yeah no. it's, it's it's just like or like why are you even singing about the rooms in the house but then everyone, as is it, as it is with improv, sang that chorus again. Suddenly, everyone's harmonizing, and here I am. Like that was 15 years ago or something. I still remember and still sometimes sing. That guy has no idea that I'm walking around going. We had a song like that. Uh, in in uh... <laughs> <laughs> sorry, at Second City, we had a song where it was called, it was called the Dream Song, and we would pick one person from the audience and interview them. Yes, and then we sang a song to them. And so we knew the we knew what the notes were going to be, but we didn't know what the lines were going to be sure. or the breaks. Sure, uh, and that was a really really big crowd pleaser. Yeah, because we'd all be singing the chorus with this guy's name in it. Right. Uh, so it just seemed like what the hell just happened? But you know there, were, right. there was a framework to it. Sure. But, but yeah, when you when you when you're all singing and it's all going off, it's it's pretty hard to beat. Well, I mean, again, I'm sorry to keep forcing this, but there like. Church is a group of people singing at the same time. And there's a real power to that. A friend of mine told me this story. Dwight Slade, who did the show, told me that he had this really powerful moment because he was doing this uh, commercial shoot. And it was like uh, 300 people. And they had to stand still for uh, room tone or whatever. And he said it was really just great to stand quietly. So it doesn't necessarily need to be directed to some sort of God or something. But when you see a group of people cooperating and agreeing, and then you add singing to it, and then you add laughter to it, I think you really can get closer to something transcendent. I think that that's what makes it, you know, stick as something to do, as something to go to, especially for people who might be lacking, who don't have a community, who, who don't have a church, who, do, who don't have a close yeah, they family. Could, they could improvise songs in their own house. <laughs> ah, they could. <laughs> or on a bus station. I suppose they could, but they uh, don't. <laughs> but, yeah, I think, and also, like, uh, with, with improv, I think, like, the most important thing is uh, confidence. Sure. Like, if you, even if you don't know what the hell's going on, but you look like you do. Right. It goes so much farther than someone who's kind of like, you could see someone kind of thinking back exactly. there on the wall. Nobody likes trying. 
No one likes to see trying. People yes. like doing. I don't mean yeah. to sound Yoda-ish. It's, it's, it's weird. I was just at a music festival, or actually it was that Chappelle thing. It felt like a music festival. How was that? Well, we'll talk about it later. But <laughs> we can talk about it now because this is a, a, sh- a short story. It's the idea that I had a pass that let me into the room before the room where you could watch the oh, show. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you've, we've all been in those situations. I actually hate status stuff like that so much, and, and especially when you get a sense that people really kind of enjoy telling you you can't go in the back room. And then I saw <laughs> my friend uh, David Angelo, who's done the show. And uh, do you know David by any chance? I don't. He's just, yeah, I, didn't, I well, wasn't sure if you would know him. Uh, he just got out here not too long ago. Anyway, he, he told me that he had been watching the show. And I was like, how did you do that? And he told me that he just walked in. You know what I mean? And I, that's that phenomenon of like, I'm pretty sure you could go in the back room of a supermarket if you just walked in a certain way. You know what I mean? Like counting boxes or, or just there's something about a person yeah. sure of themselves. That guy's probably my boss. That's how I use the restroom at the groceries or at the, That's right. the Goodwill. Right. You know, because in the Goodwill, you have to you have to go like behind the scenes where they keep all the stuff before they put the price on it. Really? So I, I try to act like I'm going back there to look at some merchandise, <laughs> like I'm going to price it, and then right into the bathroom I go. <laughs> But that that is brilliant. That is exactly one of those social situations where you're like, can I convincingly? It's like life acting. And, and you, people are so crazy in the world that, sure. that if you get busted, what's the worst that could happen? Right. You know? Right. You're like, I'm sorry. I thought this is the restroom. Right. And they'll be like, no, we don't have one. All right. That's it. That's, that's, <laughs> that's as bad as it's it. going to get. But we do, uh, unfortunately, I think we use our imaginations a lot to our detriment that we're thinking that there's going to be some sort of humiliation or some sort of shaming that, right. that never, it's not coming. The number of times well, that that's I've really been interesting. You, you just made me think of something about um, about improvisation, which is when you when when you start, if you're thinking of succeeding, you're gonna you're gonna do well. I yes. think because uh, when I when I go when I'm backstage, my kind of my thing is not you know I usually perform at ECB, so it's very comfortable. But but what I like to do is uh, I, I imagine people being there, and I'm like they're here to see they're here to see people be funny. Yes. So. I, I owe I owe that to an audience. So I I, I don't have a, like a I'm having a sad day, so I'm just going to support. It. Right. Uh, <laughs> just not or feeling I'm feeling up for really it. depressed, so yeah. you know I'm just I'm just going to go off the off the grid with this performance. Right. Right. No, right. I, I just go. I can do this. I've done it, and I think people are here to see that. Yes. So, and that also goes for fucking around too much. Like if you're fucking around too much in the beginning of a show, it, it can go off the rails, and the audience can lose interest. So right. That's also not. But that that's another that's the second that's the second level of presence I would say is that you have the presence towards your fellow actor and then you're saying that the awareness of the audience is often like a good I don't know why I'm being so spiritual today but it's like a little bit of a prayer it's a, it's just being like the audience is here it's setting an intention the audience is here they paid they're sitting and they want something and they collectively are unified in as a thing they're now an audience and i am now also something other than myself i'm now horatio the comedian i'm not the depressed guy or i'm not the guy that's in a bad mood or is sleepy or just wants to fuck around with my friends i'm a performer and taking that time to to be like what is this for i think is valuable yeah like i've been i've been accused of fucking around a lot <laughs> yeah, yeah that's the first my, thing i said that to you the other day i said didn't you say, did you really say to lorne I must have swallowed it. Will you tell the story? I don't uh, want to steal your punchline. Well, I, I think what you're talking about is when uh, I when I first started breaking. I think Lauren was like, "What happened up there?" And I just like I just I just said, "I, I guess I swallowed a clown." 
<laughs> you know how that story's been retold on the streets? <laughs> is that you were this close, you were in this the office to be fired? To be fired uh-huh. And you were about to be fired, and like Lauren that. goes, Horatio, you're... F-, and you go, I must have swallowed a clown! And he went, in a new office! Get this man in a new office! That's a much better story. Yeah, I like that story. All those SNL stories, I remember um, Moynihan, Bobby Moynihan, I, there was some story that was completely untrue about how Lauren wanted to fatten him up or something. And right, like, I talked right. to him about it, and he was like, no. <laughs> like It's just because he lost some weight or something. No, even even if you're fat, Lauren wants you to be thinner. Is that like, true? He's, he's like, he wants you to be the thinner fat guy. <laughs> but he does want a fat guy. And he wants, like, the... The, the 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 characters that we're all used to in SNL, you know? Oh, is that right? So, so he'll be like, don't get too skinny, you know? He will like, say that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, you know yeah. what's funny? That might be a merging of two stories. It might. Did he say that to you? Uh, well, we were going to do a movie, like, so before he's like, you know, you're going to have to get in shape to... Uh, when you're, if you're going to be in this movie. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I guess so, yeah, Sequel yeah. to Cliffhanger? So, uh... What's uh, what's cliffhanger? It's the Stallone, Stallone movie. movie? <laughs> so what movie do you have to be in shape for? You're gonna have to work out for think, this comedy. I think you meant maybe maybe we shouldn't get drunk every night. And right. Maybe you know you could because it's gonna be long hours. So yeah, it's more like rest. that than like be rest. skinny. Right, right, right. Yeah. Sure. And when was this? Uh, I don't know, 2002 or something. Okay. Um. But yeah, the story, the SNL stories. I mean, I it's really fun because they definitely get better when I hear them. <laughs> Uh, so, later. So you did say I must have swallowed a clown. But you I were, did you say were... I must have swallowed a clown because it's something that uh, my mother used to ask, ask me when I would when I was silly as a kid. Did you swallow? You know, a did clown? you swallow a clown or what? Yeah, That's like crazy. that. That's pretty cute. <laughs> my dad would say you got feathers in your underwear. <laughs> he goes, "What do you got feathers in your underwear?" And I was like, "Yeah, I do." One, well, one day I did. One yeah, day. yeah. There you go. Please do. Uh, so you you were talking about breaking for the audience, and then when when breaking, you used to yeah, break not a lot. for the audience, but I've always felt that like that I, all the all the breaks were genuine. It wasn't like okay, we're gonna on page three, let's uh, let's right, pretend sure. that we're off book, you know? Because I always felt that that was horrible. Yeah, but wait, that happened? No, no. But I mean, I mean, maybe if, you if, get the sense sometimes that it's happening. You get a sense that that people will think that that's that we did that, sure, you know. But but what was really happening was I tried to make Jimmy break. By using different lines sometimes, <laughs> and then he would do the same. So that's a little disrespectful to the to maybe the writers and the. You know, to be honest, but when I watch SNL, I'm like, why don't they do it more? I'll, I'll see uh, someone really straining for the cue card, like straining, and it yeah. slowed the scene down. Yeah. And the line is, "Can I get you anything?" I'm like, couldn't they just remember that the line was? I'm not trying. I know it's a hard job. It's a high pressure job. And maybe at the last line they did change it to something important or you know expository or whatever. But like, how you folks doing tonight? You know, what I mean? like, yeah. we couldn't just remember say something like that. <laughs> well, because they're afraid that they've missed a huge joke. Oh, so I then see. they're looking at make sure they got the joke, and in the meantime they're messing up the setup. Right, right, right. Uh, so please yeah. continue. I'm sorry. Yeah. So I just I I I decided a long time ago when I first started SNL that I, I wasn't necessarily interested in making the greatest sketches or the, the best comedy you know uh i was interested in having fun and showing that the show was live because I, I i think i really i've always grown up to really enjoy that yeah um you know watching old television in the 50s and stuff and lucy sure. and and those guys they never right they didn't break per se but they got pretty crazy yeah it's and, fine and, his pants falling down yeah and the audience sees that and they're like Wow, we're here watching this together. We're live. This isn't something that's right. That this is happening at the same time. And in right. in a way, you know, you could you could say that 
this is happening and I'm here and I'm a part of it because I'm sensing that they're there. Right. And I'm sensing the crowd is enjoying right. what's happening. It, again, it's a little bit of an improvisational relationship with the audience, actually. Absolutely. It's an awareness. Yeah. It's a participation. And how to go too far so you don't completely blow the scene or sure you know but um, i gotta tell you the clips that i watch speaking of uh, uh jimmy is, is the the lover's scene where will ferrell uh makes him laugh so bad i forget what his name is i think it's andrew or something he, and he's called andy andy <laughs> andy and then he just goes andrew he it's just so simple i don't know if that's the name but just andy 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 the line was andy right, right. and then he goes andrew <laughs> And just to see him dying, those are the ones that I go back to. You're talking to King Break. I laugh at my own stand-up right, yes. constantly. God bless you. I, well, thank you. I, <laughs> I do feel like you're our father. Will you help me? Do I get the blessing? But I'm with you. It's, it's why we watch Die Hard when Die Hard's on TV, even though we own Die Hard. We're all doing it at the same time. Right. Die yes. Hard was on HBO at 8 o'clock, and hundreds of thousands of people watched it. And millions of people were watching you. And that scene was happening in a way that will never happen again. And it struck you in a certain way, and you're a human being, and you're participating in it as well. Yeah, and the best part of it, the best part of laughing at myself uh, for me is that I could watch, <laughs> I could watch these scenes later, and I still, yes. Like, someone came over to the house and wanted to watch Debbie Downer, and I'm very proud of Debbie Downer because I think it's it's uh, if you examine any scene from SNL, that is the most joyous mm. sketch that I was ever in. <laughs> so if you could think of like just complete happiness without any doubt that that was that <laughs> That's scene. That's it. And, uh, and so I was showing people that. And it's, it's too weird for me to, like, sit with them and watch a computer. But, sure. But I was, you know, sitting in the, uh, on the other end of the room listening, and I was, and I was laughing at, yeah. at the sounds. Yes. And so it's like, what am I more proud of? Am I more proud of something like Cork Soakers where we didn't break? Or am I more proud of like Osama and uh, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> when, I, when I see you, I think Osama, Osama and, and Saddam and Saddam laughing. Which, which you know, and and a good chunk of that is improvised, and it's it's one of the only times where that's been allowed, and it's it's uh, for that long. And right. I think it's because uh, we knew we got away. We knew we, we could get away with it. Right, right, right. There was right. like Lauren never. You know, after that one time, he never really said, stop doing that, guys. Right. Because the audience is having too much fun <laughs> and people are laughing. So let's, let's, no. And Lauren is like, if it works, it works. Yeah. And he'll put anything on if people are laughing in the audience. Yeah. And that's, that's a, a cool thing about him. Yeah. Is that he really is democratic about that process. Right. You know, it, it's funny. Uh, again, this is, this is an interesting conversation. I was, you know, gl- I'm glad we're having because I am a fan of my own work. Which is weird for you to say, but I, you know, it's funny. When I was in Chicago doing stand-up, we we told this story. I don't even know if it was true. It's like, you know how crazy blah blah is. Blah blah brings dates home and shows them clips of his stand-up, and I just remember being like, oh, that is nuts. <laughs> that is fucking nuts. Like some random girl and being like, and we were all amateurs at the time, so he's right. showing them clips from an open mic. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's that's nuts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Watching you flounder or whatever the fuck, but like. When I, I'll, I'll give you two examples. I love watching uh, videos that I'm in, and I feel like once you do it, once it's a thing, once it was this communal participatory thing between the actors, between the night 
and the moment and the audience and and then also it being filmed and recorded in a specific way. It becomes bigger than you. So you're looking at something that's not just you. I'm not just going like, look at how funny I am. You're looking at something that you made. And there's a there's a separation between me and that thing that I can then enjoy. Oh yeah, yeah. You you look at it as a as a piece on its own. Right. And you or you listen to it and uh and I'm some and because there were you know, there were so many sketches and I don't want to sound like I made thousands of sketches <laughs> but, you know eight years you know, eight years a lot of That's sketches a lot go of sketches by. yeah and i'm reminded and i'm like i'm like that is a good line yes. i thought of <laughs> that's fantastic here's yeah. what i was going to tell you that's even worse so i'm working on sketches right now for my show and the way we do it, it right now the whole staff isn't in so it's just me and my uh, producer oren so we send the scripts back and forth to each other and what oren normally does is rein it in like yeah. once i get writing and i i love people pinging and pong and going back and forth lines that are just ellipses and just like what like because I see it and it just seems so funny to me, but it's certainly masturbatory. So he takes yeah. that sort of stuff out, and then he'll often add these really really funny jokes. But one out of every five times, I'll go, Oren, this joke you wrote about I remember what I go where Wolverine's motorcycle is metal, so Magneto can manipulate it, so he's useless. <laughs> that thing is so funny. I didn't know Wolverine had a motorcycle, but it's brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. And he goes, Pete, you wrote that. <laughs> Yeah, you forget. It's crazy. Yeah, I forget. But listen, let's talk about this. Cormac McCarthy, who wrote The Road, said that he used to sit down. This is one of my go-to examples. But he used to just sit down and go, I wonder what happens in this chapter. And improvisers know that. And any sort of creative person knows that, that there is that sort of conduit. I'm not saying it makes it holy or great or even good. But you get this sort of, I'm just like transcribing what my subconscious would like to see on the page. So sometimes you, you have no attachment to it. And, and, and he said he uh, was surprised by the ending of that book, just like everybody, because he had no idea where it was going. That's great. Isn't that wild? Yeah. And, and you know, when you're right, when you, when, like my process for SNL during the last, I guess, three years was I would never go to rewrites, mm. uh, partly for laziness, but, <laughs> but mostly because um, I got in the way of my own scenes. So I would write a scene with my partner, um, Kenward, uh, Eric Kenward, and uh, and then he would take it to the table for rewrites. And some people would be like, what the fuck? He's not showing up? Like, what's that? Mm-hmm. But it was better for me to not hear the writers dissecting it yeah. or making fun of it right? and then fighting for lines yep. with them. Yep. I would just say, they're great writers. They're going to know how to make this piece like the right length. You can and trust it. I could trust that. Yeah. And then if uh, a joke was missing, I'd just tell Kenward, let's put that back, you know, let's throw that back in. And you'll remember it. And I'd remember it. Yeah, it's yeah. It's so funny that you say that because I was just reading a script that I wrote that I was just so I again, it just kind of goes back to the arrogance of the performer. There needs to be some sort there of needs overactive to be arrogance. <laughs> arrogance. Yeah, there yeah. needs to be. It's absurd to yeah. sit down and be like, and then this person says just being controlling and and you think you're so funny. And uh, then we read it. We read it out loud to each other. And then at the end, I saw he had put what he had cut out. And then they were like some of my favorite jokes. But I didn't notice when we were reading it. And that's the genius of of friends like Kenward and friends like Oren. And I I was talking to um, Conan about this. And he was saying, like, people say so-and-so is a genius or this guy is a genius or this this piece or whatever. But when I see the writers working, it's really you have this thing – and you carve away the parts that aren't genius, and then, and then you have something that's genius. It takes that editing, and, and sometimes that's difficult. Yeah, and also, you know, you gotta you gotta understand that p- these scenes are being written um, Tuesday night at four in the morning, you know, right. or Wednesday morning, like literally like nine in the morning. People haven't slept for right. for a day and a half. Um, 
so it gets a little wacky and it sure. gets a little out of control and it gets long and that's okay you know yeah. like it, professionals can see the meat right away and they right. know what to cut right 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 um why do they do that by the way i remember jesse klein do you know jesse she's yeah. a wonderful uh, yeah. uh writer and stand-up in new york she was talking about i think she wrote on snl for a, a bit yeah and she was like she i'll never forget it she was just like it could be nine to five totally <laughs> totally <laughs> it totally can and you know, I, I, I consulted with uh, SNL Mexico a couple months ago, and I was basically showing them exactly how we do it. Really, which is teaching them like a way that's not necessary. Yeah, but they feel it's necessary because that's the way they do it in New York. Oh so my god! So I had to. I, so they, you know, they showed me the snacks that they had, and it, lo- it was eerie. It was very similar, but <laughs> off a little. I felt like I was in a time machine a little bit. Back to time machine. Yeah. But I was Whoa. Like, but then I was like just kind of like just things that I'd learned like um you know put the put the better scripts up front so when you know and like don't have the writers put in four scenes just two of their best so yeah. that, you know because you just start noticing after like 20 scenes people are like I'm I'm out I'm done. Right right right. So so I was basically just showing them the way that we used to do it and uh and it totally doesn't have to be that way. Right. Um Lauren Lauren is a creature of habit. Yeah. And and so going back to the fat guy thing, uh, he feels comfortable with a fat guy in his cast. And so there <laughs> there has been one since the beginning of the show almost. Yeah. If you if you include John Lovitz. <laughs> uh, counting Lovitz. Uh, counting always Lovitz. been a tubby yeah. guy. Yeah. Well, sure. Chubby. Chubby, let's yeah, say. Yeah, sure. A Lovitzy guy. And the same thing He's with He's got um, Lovitz handles. Okay, I got to go. <laughs> I'll show myself out. <laughs> Lovitz handles. The John Lovitz diet. <laughs> oh, God. And that's why he hires guys from Harvard, and that's why he goes to Second City and Groundlings. Right. And now, you know, now UCB and IO and stuff. But um, because, and I think all the people they hired this year uh, had somehow gone through UCB. We had a lot of UCBs. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I say we like it's my, but I, I just remember talking to a lot of the new cast and being struck that it was farmed in that same sort of way. Yeah. I feel like Second City. Like the ETC stage is 364 days of, you know, just regular Chicago tourists and then like one hyper intense audition show right. that could change your life forever. Well, I, I basically wrote my last show at uh, ETC with that in mind. Is that right? Yeah. You son of a bitch. I'm like, someone's going to come. Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah. And so I sang, I did voices, <laughs> I did impressions. The thinly veiled SNL audition. Yeah. I was going to do a one man show in New York called Pete Holmes's. Thinly veiled SNL audition. You should have done it. My whoever I ran that by was like Lauren wouldn't like it. But that's all. That's all they were. A lot of them are. So yeah. I'm glad that you did that and you had the foresight. So here you are. You're in uh, Second City and ETC. For those of you, that's the Experimental Theater Company. It's the second stage, which means it's not the main. It gets stage. the overflow from the main stage. It's right. A, a lot of the audience. People get sold out. Yeah, they yeah. go to ETC. Uh, although that's where I saw Jack McBrayer. Every time I see him, I, I go, I like to fuck. Did you see that show? <laughs> no, no. Uh, I, I don't mean to assume that you've seen every show in S- <laughs> at, at Second City. But that's a li- an obscure line from that. And uh, Rich Tallarico. And it's not the main stage. Games. So you, you feel. He was on main stage. You feel yeah. that. Yeah, he was on main stage. But in ETC, you feel like no one's watching you. The parents aren't watching. Right. And so uh, I remember doing a scene where we were. Uh, where we were doing experiment, we were uh, animals that in a in a lab that were going to be experimented on, and we ended up turning to a life of crime. We were making you know an allegory to the, the crime in, in the city, and we, we I would shoot an actual gun in um in the box office, not an actual gun, but a, but a blank gun, 
Like a real blank Like a real gun? blank gun. So not a starter pistol? Like not a, star- a starter pistol. And I didn't want it to be a starter pistol because at that time I'm like, no, man, it can't be a fake gun. People need to hear it. Like oh in the God. seats. So we would, <laughs> oh my God. we would shoot this gun. And Guns the, are so loud. We'd rob the, our theater's box office dressed as bunnies and dogs. And then we'd, I'd shoot, we'd kill the guy because we were insane. And then um, I remember that Scott Adsit was in the main stage. And he was just like, do they have to use a, <laughs> that uh, gun? Because towards the second half of their show in main stage, they're getting to the like the, the juicy like last bit. And then you just hear gunshots in the lobby. <laughs> oh, my God. So, oh, my God. So eventually we gave up. And and, and used, bunnies and rats, that, that could be a criminal's MO. Like, they don't know. Well, they yeah, because they're, all they know is being uh, tortured and you know perfume poured in their eyes, so they're going to get angry. That's true. You know, that's so, true. But, but eventually, we ended up using a, a tape, a tape of the robbery in the in the theater. You could see it. Oh, okay. So we didn't blast that blank gun. <laughs> but you shot a blank gun in that theater. Yeah, and it, it, and it, Did it the audience were probably like, "What the?" F-? You know, yeah. they. they yeah, yeah. It, it. I don't even know how well it played, but uh, we really because <laughs> you really were in the lobby like... robbing. <laughs> you were shooting a gun. You didn't know much for a while. Your it was me, Brian ringing. Stack, and Jerry Miner. Oh my god! We played. Uh, I played a dog, and they both played bunnies. And we would rob. We robbed the box office, and 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 and, the, and the, we had to wear um, plugs in our ears because that's how loud it was. And then the box office guy had to wear plugs. He knew he was getting robbed every. Night. <laughs> oh my god, that is fantastic! He's selling a ticket. Like, excuse me, for just one second, and puts him in. <laughs> and I know it's violent. He gets killed. Yeah, it's like uh... <laughs> that is fantastic. But you, you were, uh, and I don't say deliberate in a bad way. You were deliberate. You were you were at Second City. You wanted to be on uh, SNL. Yeah, is that why you moved to Chicago? No, I lived in Chicago. I grew up in Chicago. Oh, okay. Um, and I, I think one of the main reasons I wanted to be on SNL is because Belushi and Bill Murray, they were from Chicago. So I was like, yeah, Chicago pride. Yeah, and like sure. those guys, I love them because they're from here. Yeah. And so I kind of just, um, that's what got me interested in Second City. Yeah. I moved to Chicago to do Second City. Yeah. Well, that's why um, I, my mine was Farley and, and uh, you know, Mike Myers and all that sort of stuff. But yeah. Like, but by the time I got there, it was just like, they're every tall white guy that was the funniest kid on his college improv team had also just gotten there yeah and we were all on the same classes and stuff it was so hard to stand out in that in that environment at that point point. and the guys i came worse. up with the guys i came up with um you know they they were like a couple years older than me so um, i'm looking for a water if you felt me just oh yeah, yeah for a second would you like one yeah thank you thanks katie thanks katie <laughs> uh, thanks katie, katie. Oh, cicada. Can you hear the cicadas? Okay, we're having we're having a lot of fun just riffing bits. You know, Are just... we? <laughs> no, yes and, yes and. Mm-hmm. No, I love a no. Um, so what were we saying? Oh, you, you wanted because of the Chicago Pride and we were saying... Oh, yeah, so like, the, like the guys I came up with, they were all they were a couple years older than me because I dropped out of college and they'd all gone to college and come to Second City like yeah. right away. Right. So we all had the same goal. But I was lucky enough to have a few years to to be with really funny dudes that were, you know, two years ahead of me. Sure. Um, and that's where Walsh, Besser, and McKay, yeah. Ian, Ian Roberts, those guys were all, yeah, we met at that time. That's when they wild. Had, they had all kind of just graduated. They're all pretty much the same age. Um, and you're a little bit younger. I'm, I'm a couple years younger, yeah. Did you drop out to do improv? Yeah. That's awesome. I was really... Um, I was hanging out at improv and getting drunk and, and doing bits, and it just seemed like the most fun in the world. And and I convinced myself that I could somehow turn that into work. 
and I, and I had to go break it to my dad that I was dropping out. Did he not care for that? He was very uh, sad. Uh, and he, sad? And he's like, That's he, the he worst. He was sad. Thing yeah, I he was sad hear. and disappointed. No. Both my brothers went to college, so it wasn't like you know, Oracito, please go to college. Yeah, <laughs> you'll be the first in the family. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at least they, I didn't have that. They paved the way to not have you go. Yeah, to college. exactly. You Someone had to, to not go. go to college. Yeah. I went for two years and then I dropped out because uh, I really didn't see. I was at a. I was. At, I'm not even going to say where it is because uh, I don't even know how long I went. But I, I definitely just didn't see college helping me with what I wanted to do, and what I wanted to do was pretty clear at that time. That's great. Uh, and I told my father that I, I don't want people quitting college. I do. Listening on in the radio. Don't do that. Quit college. You could, you could do both. Just get out of there. I quit because uh, I just... And you're a success. There's no choice. And, I, and quit. If you want to be a real success, you'll quit everything. I'm and talking love, SNL. family. Yeah. I didn't talk to my family the whole time I was at SNL. No. No, I didn't have time for it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which part is that true? None of it? None of it. But <laughs> it is. there is a truth to it that once you're at SNL, it's your life. And if you, well, I know. And you kind of have to make it your life. And if you right. have kids and stuff... Um, Wouldn't you have to think that it's in the back of anyone hiring anyone's mind? In fact, I'm going to say I, I, I have to know that it is. Uh, if you had like eight kids, right? it's going to be like, I don't know if I want you to be here yeah. at five in the morning. You're going to tell me to fuck off eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the fuck out of my office and go love your children. Well, it's like Glengarry Glenn Ross, uh, Alec Baldwin. Exactly. You know what I mean? He's like, good father, fuck you. Go home and play with your kids. But there is that sort of... T.J. Miller, you know T.J. Yeah, I love T.J. T.J.'s great. He, he gave this weird interview talking about stand-up, talking about comedy, a life in comedy. And he goes like, uh, he goes, yeah, just give up any, any sort of hope of having a regular life or family. But hey, you wanted to be a rapper. You know what I mean? He switches it to rapper, which yeah, I thought yeah. was really funny. <laughs> but he's kind of got a point. SNL is just like a manifestation of this insane pledge. Listen, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I want to be very careful. A lot of funny people – Ray Romano is a great example of a guy with three kids and a wife and was touring around and it, and it happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I do catch myself in my own life being like it's, it's important to have the schedule clear. When I was submitting – I'm sorry to keep going on this. No, table, please. When I was submitting tapes to SNL, which I still resent. <laughs> <laughs> I still resent. Have you not auditioned? Never auditioned. I don't. No one ever saw those we tapes. Change that. I just went by and dropped them off. But you know, I, I only resent that just because it is such an institution to people already. You know what I mean? I'm growing up, I was just like, that's the thing. That's the one. That's the school. That's the university. Well, you can take solace in this too. That Lauren doesn't. If you're well known, Lauren doesn't really exactly. want to work with you Why because he, he want? wants to be the guy that discovered you. Exactly. You know, that's and he wants the audience to discover you. Right. And like you, like the same way. Um, he does. Right, at the same time. So, yeah, like I've heard horrible stories like he's talking to Artie Lang and just brings him into a meeting to say, wow, we can't work together or some stupid Something thing. like that, really? But, but um, I mean, there's a, there's a, like I said, he's a creature of habit. So whatever's worked for him before, he, he, he just like adheres to that. Right. So that could have been the thing with you. Um, well, you know, I was, uh, that, it was so long ago. It was long ago. I appreciate that, too. I was also married at the time. I don't know if you know, I, I got divorced when I was 28. So I got married when I was 22. So when I submitted to SNL, when I was just dropping off packets and DVDs of sketches and stuff, I, uh, I remember really thinking, like, being a little bit scared that I would get the job because I knew I would take it. It was actually a kind of a creepy litmus test where I was like, I, I would take it at the, uh, at, the, at the downfall of this marriage. <laughs> like yeah, I, I, yeah. Would, I would go. And we both kind of knew. 
It's a crazy thing when your weird young husband is taking the train to Rockefeller Center and dropping off an audition to have the marriage end. Yeah, and you, you think she, she had an idea that that would happen? Um, I do. I think that was part of the breakup at the end where she, where she probably got a sense that she was some sort of number two. Yeah, and and you know I, that I was doing that at at Second City too. I was pretty much giving it my all. So yeah, so yeah. Uh, Even your socializing was informing your career. You're talking about riffing bits and getting drunk. Yeah, yeah. That was all, exactly like your life is the thing. And I really didn't hang out with old friends because, um, you know, it's like high school to to college. Like your friends, like they're not doing the same bits. I even tried to encourage my funnier friends to come with me and help, you know, and, and right. take classes. Sure, but you definitely do start just hanging out with the people you're working with, and and it, you know, it's it's growth. But uh, I, I again, it's not necessary. Mm. But there is something there is something special when you're that into it because SNL is limited, definitely. Right. Uh, you know that going into it, so you don't want to. You know, you don't want to be arguing with your girlfriend or your wife on a night when you have to write two sketches. Right. You can't take it. Yeah. It, it'll, it'll kill you. That sort of pain really gets in the way. And when you need to deliver and you need to be an operator, and literally your emotional well-being is one of the bars. Like I, I always say the Sims. You know the Sims, you got your hunger, you got your energy, yeah. you got your cleanliness, you got your social bar. Like one of your bars is like... It, that w- the reserve that you et- would have for romantic love is also something else that the show is going to tap into and be like, can we get you to be attentive and be energetic and be happy? And if you have a girlfriend that's like yelling at you or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever girlfriends do, yeah, yeah, that might get in the way. But here we are, we're two lunatics. I feel like we're you know in a secret bunker talking. And you about do the math cult. in your head. You're like, there's 20 shows a year. Yes, and I haven't been on the show in two shows, so I have to get on now. And I have to get on twice in the next three shows so that it looks like I'm here every week. Yeah. And so that t- those times become super intense and, right. and you're focused on, on on that work and trying to be funny and trying to have a, a social life. So right. that's why there's a lot of a lot of drinking going on because sure. it's like what you just said made me want to drink. But that pre- that <laughs> see, okay, look, I love the it's Robert Klein, he says a lot of people are funny. But not a lot of people can be funny at 8 o'clock on Friday. You know what I mean? I, I just love that quote. But to extend that into your world, a lot of people can be funny. But can a lot of people be funny and maintain funniness? Sometimes sacrificing some of the normalcy of their life, girlfriends, friends, talking to their family in your case, uh, in, in order to be able to deliver at that level. And also fight for things. Consider things like I need to get on. I'm, I haven't been on. I wasn't on last week. That might be enough to cripple somebody to take away their humor. Humor, the thing that most people demonstrate when they're their most comfortable. Well, remember when Jimmy made me shoot milkshake out of my nose? Where were you with Jimmy? On a road trip? You know what I mean? In your yeah. safest possible <laughs> environment? You're in a fucking... I don't want to make it sound like you're you know, so, so impressive, but I am impressed. You're in a lion's den pressure cooker sort of thing, considering ratings, considering how did it play, the audience. Does Lauren like me? Do the writers like me? Are they scheming against me? Yeah. Where's my family? Where's my girlfriend? What am I going to do? Uh, this guy got a movie. This guy's got this. Uh, this, this fucking blogger said this shit about me and then you have to go out and perform live live yeah it's insane and that's and that's kind of why why all of the shitty things you hear about it is worth it yeah because there yeah nothing replaces the fact that there's 300 people watching you live and maybe eight or nine million watching at home it's awesome um and so yeah like i i 
I'm, I'm definitely glad I went through it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, you uh, did more than a run. Six years is a run. Eight. Yeah, I did eight years. Yeah, so you did uh, one, one time and a third. I did like two tours. Two of, tours? Of, of Vietnam, yeah. Isn't that That's crazy? how I like to put it. Yeah, you did two tours. <laughs> what was it? Okay, so I'm, forgive me and just skip it if you talk about this a lot, but I am interested – Interested in that. You're at Second City doing ETC. I'm at a place right now where I'm answering all questions. Okay. Any question you want. Any SNL questions are sure. fine. If you see me on the street and ask me what my favorite, who my favorite host was. Oh, you're just open to everyone. I'm open to everyone. You're ready to but, go. But So now I want you to know that, that you can ask me anything about SNL. Okay. And I'll, I, and I'll answer honestly. Honestly, <laughs> heart well, attack. Now, now I'm really just feeling a lot of pressure that I should ask you some hard-hitting <laughs> thing. Did you have a clonopet in your pocket like Jay Moore? <laughs> I did, and I didn't know, I didn't know did? drugs back then. No, I didn't. Oh. If I did, I definitely would. I mean, if I Wait, knew, if you knew about if I knew Xanax and, and, and Ativan back then, I would have definitely taken it in certain times. Really? Oh, yeah. Like what Not time? on stage. But just like when you're really like, <clears throat> ugh, like when you really feel fucked over. Isn't oh now Ativan is in the same? It's a it's Ativan's a, like a lighter Xanax, yeah, yeah, anti-anxiety, yeah. anti-anxiety. Yeah, uh, Azai. <laughs> <laughs> it's an Azai. It's an Azai. You take with your. With well, you your you would have done that. That's interesting. Geez. What about uh, what about Adderall? What about something to get you speedy? No, I never I never thought I needed that. I was like uh, I would just drink a lot of coffee and. Yeah, sure. And it was all about it was all about like um, just outbursts or just sprints, you know, little, like, little sprints. Yeah, the night. yeah. Like I would, you, and it's common for people to take little like naps when they're getting their makeup on before the show. Oh, really? Yeah. Like close their eyes and rest up a little bit because you're always kind of doing that. You're resting and I'm blowing it out. You know, resting and yeah. That's oh. insane. I don't know how you come down from that. I, I, I think that might be why we have so much substance abuse, just in the community, not just absolutely. the SNL community. Yeah, absolutely. I'm fortunate that uh, that I'm not too hardwired to be like, I gotta celebrate. You know what I mean? After a good show, <laughs> I, I've been. I one time went to an SNL after party. Not oh no, the after after. Yeah, and I was just like, fuck this. I, I used to throw the after after. Is that right? Yeah. So maybe I was at your You're probably after one after, of my after after, and yeah. I was like, I don't need this. I'm not. I'm I not. had to seriously examine like why am i doing this really like why why am i performing is it because i want to have a party <laughs> yeah 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 is it just for the release yeah, i want like it and and yeah it gets <clears throat> you you uh reward yourself like that and right. it's just a you know vicious circle of yeah like, i'm gonna go out and make people laugh and then we're gonna get drunk afterwards right, you right, know? right. and then that'll be good times and then i'll go home and <laughs> sleep be really sad tomorrow <laughs> oh would that happen uh, would there be a withdrawal like a little definitely. bit of a separation anxiety yeah. Because it's like a perfect place. You're with your friends. You're creating. You're, uh, for better or worse, you and I, it sounds like we both get a lot of external affirmation, and that feels good. Yeah. Right? Yes. And I and I don't think I'm addicted to it per se, as I, I just, I really like it. I do like it. Uh, I was very loved as a kid, and I think that my job uh, in uh, ex- receiving that affirmation is an extension of, of my overloving mother. Something that people know from this show. Did you pick that up somewhere? Did you did you always want to get like rah rah rah? Um, <clears throat> I don't understand your question exactly. I guess do you, do I always want to be rah rah rah? Did you say that? <laughs> you son of a bitch? I'm gonna get you. Did you say that? I'm gonna get you. <laughs> Andy. Andy. Andrew. <laughs> you know, I did kind of change uh, streams is why that was confusing. Okay. Was we were talking about – what were we talking about? We were talking about um, 
Oh, shit. This is terrible. I don't know. No, it's okay because I know what we jumped to. What we jumped to was I was talking about I like getting the affirmation. And then we were talking about – well, I had like three or four things I was going to ask you. And we can jump to one of those, which is fine. Uh, well, one of them was, where did you learn? Do you know where you picked up? Do you have some sort of origin story as to why you think you went into this position, into this job? Um, yes, my origin is pretty um, uh, right on the mark. I, I used to watch SNL with my brothers. Mm-hmm. And my brothers are six and nine years older than me. The college boys. The, yeah, the college boys. <laughs> the good the good Sanses. <laughs> <laughs> And so they would watch that and find it very funny, and I was like, I want to, I want to know why they're laughing, yeah. and then uh, I want to make them laugh. Did and, you feel like you didn't really have the ingredients to make your your family laugh, or or even your neighborhood? I, I no, I I knew I could make my family laugh. I knew I could make the neighborhood laugh. I, I actually learned how to. I really like learn how to be funny with my my brother's friends. Hmm. Like they had like they'd go out as a group, right? They were like eight people that would go out and then they would take me places and then I would like I would do bits ah, um, on demand or were you riffing bits on demand you know because I was uh, and my mother would take me around and take me to like these Latino like they weren't like quinceaneras but they were some kind of like we're gonna get together and hang out and eat right. and then I would dance with old ladies right. so I was like a little in the community isn't that called Tuesday what do you mean festive group <laughs> Oh, so the Latino festive group. <laughs> All, you know, good reasons to congregate. I've never admitted this to any other people. Yeah, uh, sure. Unless they were intimate with me, but yeah, I, um, I used to dance with Latino ladies, <laughs> and they found me very cute. And I think that helped my self esteem a lot when I was young. No, yeah, that's awesome. So you had that that sort of like, isn't it nice to get a glowing praise? From I was somebody? always kind of special because I was the youngest, and by and by youngest, like six years nearest yeah. the, the other one. So I was. For everyone, for my parents, I was like spoiled and right and and the I last go around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was very the headliner. It was a very nice childhood. You were the headliner. I was the headliner. You had two out. openers. <laughs> you your oldest brother emceed, and then I disappointed everybody by not going to college, <laughs> and then killed it all. Yeah. I mean, what was that like? So you then you did pay off. Oh, I told my dad if I. This is going to sound like a real smart ass thing, but I really meant it. <clears throat> yeah. I said if I. He goes, well, at least have a backup. And I said, if I admit to having a backup, then I'm half admitting I'm, fa- I'm going to fail. <laughs> and I, get, I caught him a little bit, but he was like, oh, whatever. It's done. You know, he's kind of disappointed. But, but I, it was true. Like, I didn't want that possibility. Right. I didn't want to go to college for two more years and think, if it doesn't work out, you know, I'll... You hear all those stories about people being like, in L.A. especially, being like, I give it six months to make it. Oh, yeah. Something no, I've heard. It's crazy. A man say, I'm giving myself six months to make it. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. You know, it, it, it actually is a little bit dangerous territory, uh, but it's true, and there's some truth in it. It's not the only way, but this unmarried, give-it-your-all young guy who will sacrifice anything and also, uh, you know, what was the thing we just said? Uh, will give it time and not have a backup plan. Right. That, though, that is one way to go. Understanding that there's going to be time is is so key sure like for everything for stand-up you know like uh i talk to a lot of stand-ups i do a little stand-up so i'm always interested in people's processes and, sure and it's always like yeah you get five minutes you do that for a year you know you get 15 minutes you do that for another whatever it's always like it's not like 
in th- four months, you'll be ready to do stand-up. Right, right, right. And the same thing with improv. You just have to... Keep doing it. You have to keep doing it until it comes natural and, right. uh, and it's easy to do. And I think people are very, very... I'm going to be famous right away. You know, right. I, I, I got the goods. And, right, uh, right, right. And that's something that's changed because of, you know, the internet or because, like, people people just skip. And they flare know. up. Yeah. Real fast. Yeah. But I think we're seeing, like with LASIK surgery, <laughs> you know, over time, it'll be interesting to see how the... Uh, Wait, what's happening with LASIK surgery? I'm just saying, like, we never know if in, like, 20 years, like, they made the joke on The Simpsons that your oh, eyes okay. just fall okay, out yeah. or something. <laughs> we don't know if the... Uh, for, I'm not thinking of anyone in particular here, but if the Twitter people... The people that, like, kill it on Twitter, will they stand the test of time? We just don't know. The people that right, flare right, up real right, fast. Right. I think maybe that's why Lauren keeps going to the groundlings, because he can't be like, YouTube sensation Bill Butterbread yeah. is really amazing at freestyling. And, like, I, I don't know. It's an unproven will. Yeah, and those guys are famous for for doing something different. They're being themselves, and they're just giving their opinions. So when they when you ask them to do a sketch, it's completely foreign. Right. Uh so yeah, those those two things aren't as easy. It's a lot easier, of course, if you're like the Lonely Island guys who we already have a product and right. there it is. Right. Um, Which is now a new thing. Now they have to find their Lonely Island each time around. Who's yeah. going to be our Lonely Island people? Right. And before right. Lonely Island, there was no Lonely Island. Right. So now you need to think of like a new thing that they don't know they need. Yeah, there'll probably be a new cartoon. Yeah. This year, you know, like to replace the the Smigle one. Of course, of course. So you're dancing with the ladies. That was uh, that's very interesting. I love that. Where we learn that we can that that it does it for us. The way that like someone drinks espresso for the first time and their brain just lights up. And you're dancing with these women on a Tuesday, a Tuesday. Well, I would do, and I do little shows for my parents. I think that's common for comedians, right? To like kind of sure. put, put on. I would like glue cotton balls to my face and be like an old man. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I talk about my my childhood, and it sounds like I was in the Little Rascals. (laughs) I am picturing it in black and white for some reason. And they they encourage that. They encourage me. And my father always encouraged me acting. And, like, the worst he said was, like, just get a backup. So he was very encouraging That's not that bad. Not at all. But it is a little bit like the the idea of backups – there's something the, the the world does seem to uh, favor an extreme approach, I think, an all or nothing. Uh, to, even if you were doing something and you wanted to cast it or find writers or something, I think you would resonate with that sort of thing. If you're going to fall in love with somebody, if you are in love with somebody from afar, it would be creepy if you were like, or I'll go back to the village and there's always Beth. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what yeah, the fuck right. did you just say? I thought you were in love with this woman. Yeah, well, Beth is always adequate. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, you I gotta, can go back to Beth. You got to have a Beth. Yeah. A Beth up plan. <laughs> Did you write that yesterday? No. <laughs> Riffing bits with Raish. We'll be right back. What's the best joke about your name you've ever heard? Have you ever heard the whore ratio is one to one? No. That's a good one. Is it? They're, they're a lot dumber than that. They're usually like, you're a fellatio. job. <laughs> you don't even have some, the Some are our last poor Horatio. I knew him well. Sure. Those, those are nice. Sure. What about oh. Sands? People playing off the Sands? Uh, Sands Pounds when I lost weight. Yep, there you go. The, 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 they got had fun with that one. <laughs> <laughs> people enjoyed that. We <laughs> talked a little bit about people that. People that wrote it enjoyed it more yeah. than people that <laughs> didn't you? Didn't you just stop eating like shit? Aren't you a boring story? I am a boring story. I stopped drinking. Is that what it is? Yeah. No and more. You know, when you eat and when you drink in New York, you're always at the 
the bodega afterwards having like yeah fried chicken sandwiches and sure stuff. yeah it's uh, a so great combo so you're yeah you're and the pizza at every block every yeah two blocks i was just thinking about that today yeah but in fucking la you can go get a stupid juice <laughs> and that's you have some green dirty muddy drink yeah that's a mud that drink is unlabeled no it's got on a label top. on the top on the top, on on the top. top. <laughs> you know it was made in a bathtub when it's labeled on the top this is uh yeah this is no is that good kombucha no it's not kombucha uh, another. It's, super it's funny that yes, the last person on the show that had kombucha was uh, Casey. Casey, why am I forgetting on this name? Casey Wilson. Casey Wilson. I was going to say Edwards. Who's Casey Edwards? But another SNL alum. Enjoy Love the kombucha. Love her. She's great. Isn't she wonderful? I'd like to have a kombucha with her and talk about uh, how it, how good it tastes and how it feels like beer. Sometimes, if you drink enough, it's like a beer. Yeah, that's also good for alcoholics. If you want a little trick, you, just to get a little in your system just, to clean it just, out, just blast three kombuchas is that true there's a little alcohol in it, and it which feels, is why you have to be 21 and it by. feels like beer yeah like it, it, it goes down like beer so are we off the booze because of a, an addiction well yeah yeah oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i thought it was just vanity <laughs> no, i thought no, you were no, just no. like i'm getting kind of up there i'm just gonna stop <laughs> so you were having a problem i was having a problem and then i felt the the health issues were coming on like, like my doctor would warn me like you know you're you you're gonna you know you're very likely to have diabetes you know oh shit your blood sugars and high blood pressures yeah and uh but what about behaviorally were you also shitting on cars yes (laughs) (laughs) shitting on cars yeah uh there was a lot of that and so so the the losing weight was a direct result of that which was a direct result of uh, ultimately just being unhappy with it yeah like like drinking a beer was like um I would get drunk and literally be depressed the next day, so it was no longer even helping me not be depressed. So uh-huh. I, I certainly you were using I couldn't it, use it as medicine anymore. You were using it kind of like a vitamin. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's always what scares me is you know, and to be honest, I've I've been doing pretty well with alcohol lately, but there is that that it's a Holmes thing. I talked to my brother about it. My father was an alcohol, or I should say, is an alcoholic in a, in a sense. Although he wouldn't say that, so that's not fair to say he stopped drinking. Let's say that. So he wasn't. On, he doesn't like alcohol. I get so f- afraid speaking from. I know father. saying I'm an alcoholic is kind of weird out yeah. loud because yeah. I just stopped kind of the same way. But right. but I know that if I drink again, it'll it'll Be get bad, bad quickly. But it, but you, besides the health problems, was it like you you weren't happy with your life decisions when you were drinking? I wasn't happy with my life decisions. I wasn't happy with what I how I looked. Right. Uh, performing. Yeah. I, I felt I felt like it was. You know, it was kind of it's. It got to a point where I felt uncomfortable watching it, hmm. uh, and so yeah, I just wanted to. I, you know, when um, when you're in that place, you're. It's kind of like uh, not to get really deep and heavy, but you kind of feel like if I die tonight, um, oh well, yeah. You know, I try, I gave it a go, but yeah. you start thinking that way. You start thinking like, well, maybe my heart will stop tonight. Oh uh, well, I hope not. You know, right. you make those negotiations. It, I hope not, or is it like with that? Who cares? It's I hope not, but who cares also to make yourself, you know, survive. I know so. what you're talking about. It's that, it's that yeah. uh, perpetual heaviness. You wake yeah. up and you feel like you're wearing the lead jacket at the dentist. You're like, they're going to take some x-rays, but you're not. It's just the condition of your soul. <laughs> and for me, yeah, exactly. And for me, I just became very functional. Like, I knew when not to. Like, I never drank before the show or, or like, the day before a show. Yeah. Uh, and I wouldn't drink before, like, a writing night. Right. So, you know, I, 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 I picked my spots, but it was definitely... I was. I definitely recognized that I was using it to to medicate, and it was no longer even working that way. So right, 
which it's is like good that. for you to notice. Do yeah. you notice that now that you're off off the sauce, that uh, your mood is more stable? Absolutely. Is that isn't that a big thing? Yeah. It's it's not these extreme highs and big lows, but just kind of a steady bass hum. Yeah, and I get high. You know, I'm not sober sober with the weed smoke. Yeah, I I want to say that because I don't want to seem hypocritical and tell people you know this is the way to go because I, I don't know which way to go. I right. just know the way was for me. Right, and that wasn't that just wasn't working for you. Right, but we weed smoke does. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> As weed smoke, I certainly don't wake up in front of my apartment. Uh, you know, on the street or or shit on cars anymore. Right, right, right. So there's that. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's a lot more mellow, and as you probably know, I don't know, really smoke. You don't? Yeah, no, I don't smoke. Oh, we should smoke after this. Let's see what happens. <laughs> you know, I've thought about doing an episode high or something, just because I, I do it so rarely that I think it would be novel to get high. You'd pro- on a show. Wow, you'd probably be really fun. You'd probably laugh uh, a lot. I do giggle a lot. Yeah, and there have been times when I've used it to good effect. They did a show here at Meltdown where we watch a movie and make fun of it. And I, I when I smoke, if I do smoke, I'm, I'm one hit. I know that's all I want. One hit Holmes. One hit. Oh, one hit. <laughs> one hit. Oh, H-H. Put, put it away. One hit's here. <laughs> uh, because I can't take the hangover. I can't take the next day feeling like I'm cloudy. Oh. In fact, I would say cloudy is the least favorite way for me to feel. I hate feeling cloudy. Without being able to talk or, or express myself, it just feels, you know, there's tape over your dick. Yeah, it's like it's cloudy with a chance of meatballs or something. <laughs> <laughs> And if you're smoking, there's definitely a chance of meatballs. Why that voice? And that ain't a, that ain't a bad thing. No, no, no. True. Uh, but I smoked it, and God, it was fucking hilarious. I'm pretty sure it was. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I thought it was hilarious, but I think it might have been one of the funny. You know what? I'll get into that weird, strange comp. <laughs> like, I'll, I, I never, I'll never forget this. So I'm high, and we're watching this movie, and there's a crowd behind us. So it's like Mystery Science 3000. And this, and this woman uh, walked in, and I said what her line would be. <laughs> like, I just prophesied. I go, uh-huh. what'll it be, darling? <laughs> Something like that. Like, it was a waitress. But she said, what'll it be, darling? The place went fucking nuts it wow. was one of the best moments because it gave me that weird you connected some connection <laughs> supernatural but not necessarily but just gave me like stu- stupid sonar sonar stupid stoner sonar yeah like and i was just like oh, i'm in it man but you know it's similar to, to alcohol because the conversations get really really deep really quickly yeah you know like you just like you'll have someone come over and then it's like right what if you could live your life again yeah, yeah, yeah. With, the, with the memories you have now? <laughs> is that one of your go-tos? That is, that is something I fantasize about all the time, which is coming back as a child with everything that I know. I think about that all the oh time. Oh, my God. I don't want to. I, I thought about it a lot. Really? I don't want to. Why? Because it would drive you crazy. You could do anything. But you're five years old and you have this knowledge? Or are you saying like you're yeah. 22 years old and you have this knowledge? No, you're, you're five and you have this knowledge. I just it's think about too much. Doing, I think you're too smart. You're like, letterman. this is really a fucked up place. Like, it'd be scary. You could do it that way. Or, see, I've given this a lot of thought. Or you could be honest and be like, look, I lived another life and I remember it. Everyone would listen to you after that. You, they would, you, would, be, you would be incarcerated. You, you think, think so? You'd be put in a home, yeah. No. You don't think so? Not if you're when, five and you're like, I've been, I've traveled before. <laughs> yeah, no. I think I've the, lived before. I think the opposite. I think time boy of the year. Oh yeah. yeah? You're, and you yeah, think people are like, this is a, this is Jesus. Maybe the second you coming. Could, you could do something religious with it. I considered that. 
You could you could start some sort of uh, huge huge. Uh, if a child did you see was the source like, the movie the source of course Horatio. it's so wonderful <laughs> it's such a wonderful movie I loved it too but at the end he it gets always, he gets bored it always goes sideways right yeah you get bored I'm not God I'm not God <laughs> this is my that was my first That's attempt really at that voice that and was, it, really, that was good. really good far fucking out man <laughs> really good. <laughs> Such a good movie, but I, I, I've joked uh, before about wanting to start a cult, right? Right, because we are we think we're so funny and and and, uh, and cool that we could control All... a bunch of people ah! and have them do weird stuff for us, right? <laughs> well, I, but that I, gets what well, I think that would get boring. It always goes sideways with two things: guns and sex. Sex is always one of the things that, and the Source family, and I do recommend people watch the movie The Source. It's on iTunes. Uh, he, the thing that makes it go south for him. Wasn't declaring himself as God, wasn't all living, you know, a couple hundred people in a small house and everybody free love and smoking weed and, you know, staring at the sun and all the crazy shit they did. It was when he decided that he wanted to have 13 wives. That's what that that becomes a little bit too, uh, too much to bear. People start yeah. to see the humanity behind it. Yeah. And they're like, I don't know. You know, if, you know, I think he also. It's funny we're now talking about the source, but uh, I also think that he he felt responsible for all these people. Like he took their so many years of their lives, and then he's like, "Shit, yeah. I don't want to do this anymore. Now what?" Yeah, you know. So he, so I, I think he did have, you know, love for those people. Yeah, it was twisted, but, but yeah. You know what though, man? What my favorite part of that film is, and this is a spoiler. If you want to jump ahead 34 seconds, is uh, at the end of it, the people that still follow him yeah. and still say they talk to him. He's dead. Yeah. And they're like, they heard him be like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me fuck your wife. <laughs> let me just put it in just for a minute. I just want to feel it again, baby. <laughs> it's so fun. But I don't know. I don't know. Where are you with the love? Um,. I'm, uh, you know, it's kind of a personal question. It's a very personal question. I'm, uh, I'm out of a, a, a very long, awesome relationship, and so now I, I don't know. I'm not thinking too much about love. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. That's okay, but because how, you know, how we, long was it? Six years. That's a long time. That's how yeah, long. Very I was long married. time. Yeah. So you know. Uh, uh, yeah. What uh, did you end it or did they end it? Uh, I think it was mutual. It was mutual. Yeah. All right. I mean, that's better. Absolutely, it's better. And getting it dumped. But it's sad. Relationships can often be, uh, tell me in your case, it can often be just like a representation of life itself. You know what I mean? There's a great part in 500 Days of Summer where he says that he loves Summer so much that she makes life worth it. She goes like, I don't know, when I'm with her, life just makes sense. Like, it's worth it. And so when those things degrade, it can make, and I'm not trying to depress you, I'm just saying, it can often... Make everything seem like a little less meaningful. We're we're impermanent beings, you know what I mean? Yeah. That are desperate to be permanent, and that's what marriage is. That's what photographs are. That's what TV shows are. That's what po- podcasts are. We just want to be recorded. That's what sculpture is and painting yeah. and all this sort of stuff. And relationships, we want them to last, and they don't necessarily last. And that can cause a little bit of an existential crisis. Going, this ended. This love ended. Everything ends, right? I mean, that's a way to look at it. But, um, you know, I think you could also look at it as, you know, you're, you're growing in other aspects of your life, but you're, you're kind of being commanded to, to let this not work as well. 
because mm. of time, because of what you think you should do. And um, after a while, I just kind of realized that, you know, I think we both felt the same way that uh, it's just not growing. It's just not happening. That the growth would be happening apart from the relationship. Yes. That true growth is to let it go. Yeah. And yeah. the next step of your life is to move away from it. Yeah. And if it, you know, I, I don't, I don't really, I don't know what, what'll happen in the future, but, uh, was that a if, it, bit... if it ever happens again, like if yeah. I ever, if we ever end up being back together, hmm. it'll be a lot better place than if we had stayed together, I think, because, because I wouldn't have grown. I wouldn't have. Sure. She wouldn't have. So I think it's, I think it's, um, it's, it's really hard, but it's almost necessary. It's almost a necessary part of life that, uh, you know, we think we're going to, you know, you watch movies and you think, I'm going to fall in love and have a kid and it's going to be great. Right. Like, what if you're not ready to to do that? Right. Or it just doesn't come natural. And what if the thing that would make you ready for that or natural or or something else, whatever's going to open you up to the next thing might be apart from that person. Is that what you're saying? And that's a distinct possibility. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's more probable than not. But you see, I love what you just said because an openness to getting back together, not that that's the agenda, makes me think that you don't have an agenda. I actually think that's quite lovely. When I'm in therapy and I'm talking about uh, some girlfriend or something and he says, well, have you ever considered that it might not be right? If I flare up and have this like emotional reaction to that, I know that he's hitting a nerve ending and there's something sensitive there. A reasonable person, even in a great relationship, should be able to be like, maybe they're not right and look at that objectively and plainly and not get overwhelmed by their sensory emotions. You know what I mean? And so I I think that's a a wonderful and informed and and evolved way of looking at it. Being like, you could get back together. You might not be back together. But either way, I think we'll both be better humans. There you go. You know, in a few years. Healthier. Uh, Yeah, definitely. We're very spiritual today, Pete Holmes. Man, you just caught me on one of those days. (laughs) You caught me on one of those days. But I'm in one of those days. I'm in one of those months yeah where it's about um not having preconceived notions of what you're going through like it's really kind of simple just to be like why not i'm you know because i'm so guarded from um you know when i was drinking or on snl like people come up to me like what do they want from me kind of thing and you just get closed 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 and uh so like part of part of what i just said earlier which is like ask me about snl is like it's my life and why not? Why wouldn't I tell people? And usually they they like it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually giving them a little something, and they're enjoying it. Right. And uh, I, I go. I if, if I if I thought about why not to do things all the time, I you know I'd never leave the house. So yeah. it's kind of just you have to imagine that there'll be a good result yeah. and just go forward. And if there's not, you could always back out. But well, it's like you said about starting an improv show. You're like, <laughs> let's do a good show. Let's have an intention of a good show. Yeah. And, like, you're absolutely right. And that's something that I wrestle with, which is, like, uh, here's the crazy thing is, like, paranoid people are right. You know what I mean? (laughs) You could get hit by a bus. If you leave your house, you could get hit by a bus or whatever. If you stay in your house, maybe something other – some other terrible thing will happen. But there has to be a separation from that. And it sounds – what I'm hearing when you're talking is a, a little bit of a surrender, like a good kind of surrender where you're just like, that's what it was. That's what this is. The people want to talk to me about SNL. This relationship is moving in this way and, and in your case, apart. And that's what's happening, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Far fucking out, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. Well, it's as simple as like, you know, you, you say, you know, you hear positive thinking all, all your life. Like, just have positive thinking. But it's not just positive thinking. It's more like, 
why isn't it probable that it's going to be a good thing? Mm-hmm. Like, why don't you go there instead of what I normally go, where it's like, this isn't going to go well, and i got to make fun of it. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just as easy to make the choice to, to enter something that's, that's probably going to be successful instead of waiting for the, 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 the you know, waiting for the, the pitfalls. And sure. The, they say that, like, in a car accident, like, uh, if you're spinning out, you shouldn't look at the thing you're trying to avoid. You should look at, like, where you're trying to go because people just have a subconscious way of, like, literally even in steering a car to point themselves towards what they're looking at sort of thing. So I, I don't think you're talking to somebody who really buys into that sort of stuff. But there's no real detriment to saying, like, I'm going to do something good or in what I'm hearing when you're talking, being deliberate about keeping your heart open. People want to talk to you about SNL. People want to come up and ask you about that. And that's that, that sort of... Or who am I to not just have a normal human interaction with somebody? Right. You know, so open yourself up to that. Open yourself up to the fact that the person might be boring or crazy. Yeah. But usually you're going to get something that's that's worth it. Yeah. that That's a challenging one for me is, is uh, people freak me out a lot. People will fill me with panic. But I'm realizing... That I'm not actually seeing them. I'm reliving some sort of past experience. I, I'm applying something that may or may not be true about them because of something that happened before, which is gone. Yeah. I'm really getting touchy feely now. But I love like, it. <laughs> or you can look, this is the other way to look at it, and this is something that my therapist is, uh, they come into your life and be like, this person came into my life. If you could rewind our entire lives and look at all the choices that they made to end up in the same place at the same time as you, it's pretty special and it is pretty far out that you are talking to each other. So you can choose to be like, this person came into my life. What, what's, what are they about? Can I keep my heart open? Can I be open to something uncomfortable or weird or strange or, or perhaps interesting or challenging or lovely? And you could change how you take it in. If someone's truly crazy, you can, you, you know, we're kind of good at kind of just being like, okay, yeah. I can be a little crazy with you now. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to leave in a second. But, right. You know, but this person's not going to, I'm not going to let this person know that I'm like, that whatever negative thing I'm feeling and just try to go with the positive. And, you right. Know, I had a really, really great experience. I, uh, I met someone for coffee and I was joking about, um, I made a, like a, this person had a, a rape keychain, those like cats that you stab people with. You ever seen those keychains? No. It's like a, like a self defense. It's um, it's like a, it's shaped like a cat's head, and the, and the ears are like these little daggers that you like. If if you're getting attacked, you could just like oh boy, stab somebody. A cat face to stop rape. Yeah, rape cat. <laughs> and, Yet uh, another way cats. Are and so I, I noticed it, and then like I <laughs> I'd mentioned like uh. Like yeah, you, you should stay out of rapey neighborhoods. <laughs> and then she, the the person told me that they'd been raped, oh boy. and that and uh, I was like, I really got to think about rape jokes. I got to think about when I've told them and when I've defended them, uh-huh. and uh, the deal didn't seem worth it anymore. Right, like it didn't seem necessary to make a rape joke anymore because mm-hmm. I know this one person, mm-hmm. and there's probably you know there's obviously thousands. That are going to be like, ah, oh, fuck, that bummed me out. I wish you didn't have to do that. Right, right. And so if I'd chosen to stay home that day, which I, it could have gone 50-50, I wouldn't have known that. Right. So now I know that about myself, and I feel great that I went out and met this person. And it wasn't like I, I thoroughly apologized or, or I mean, it was definitely a little embarrassing. But uh, at the end, I was just like, that's really cool that I chose to leave the house and go talk to somebody and now i have a completely different understanding of right. of what this 
what this, these jokes are sometimes. Right. A more evolved understanding, perhaps, yeah. arguably. Yeah. Is that, is, that, is that you, in your openness, something actually got in. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, sometimes I'll retweet PETA. Uh, yeah. Peter tweets about like the you know abuse of animals and what stuff. My family and, calls it. And, and <laughs> Peter, I'm from Peter Boston. Peter, Peter, get over here, get over here, and stop this animal abuse. <laughs> and you know it's very common for for young dudes to be like, "Fuck that man, eat a cheeseburger, you fucking pussy." Yeah. And it's so funny to me, like that is such a a young dude thing to say. Like instead of just being like, "Why not? Why not right. think about not eating?" Uh, you know. No duck pancreas yeah you know like people and, and instead of just being like fuck you man right I, I like my meat well that goes which is fine you know yeah. yeah yeah but but um but yeah i think the openness is is so key to to where i'm at now to to just look at things from a different perspective sure but speaking of PETA and all that sort of stuff and having that sort of like maybe you should break up with your girlfriend nerve ending therapist reaction when you're open and you let things in, you might let some things in that aren't convenient to your life. And that's why I think you might get like, fuck you, man, eat some cheeseburgers. Because it's easier to not know where our garbage goes. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, it's totally just like someone's feeling attacked. Right. Because they feel bad about maybe choices they're making. Well, I mean, if you want to make me or, you know, pretty much any, any one of my friends feel shitty, a great place to start is how we treat animals. That That's like a wonderful thing that uh, virtually everyone is guilty of. That's what sucks so yeah, bad about yeah. it. You can, you can go to uh, pollution and uh, you can go to, uh, you know, garbage and all that sort of stuff. But, like, there, it's, you'd be hard-pressed to find some – Somebody, uh, something as sympathetic as something with feeling and eyes and skin and hair and a nose and a face that's like feeling fear that we're torturing or, or murdering. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know. I don't even like talking about it. I'm trying to think if I had uh, meat today. I had an egg. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but like that's one of those things that would rather not think about. But like if you looked at the earth as a zoo, we're kind of like a fucked up group based on what we're doing to animals so i agree with you there yeah and i'm not i'm not uh, completely against you know eating animals i just i just think that the the way that the, it's that they're prepared certainly doesn't have to be so cost effective and right and callous factory farming yeah yeah up to your and i'm wearing leather shoes and you know uh, i'm not i'm not a perfect human pete right but, but i think just but little I, can i just say when did the people with ideals or or uh leaning towards ideals have to be perfect like I don't understand that. Like, like why why do you have to be why do you have to have it all together to try and put some small piece of your life together? I guess because people perceive it as you're trying to tell them that you're better than them. Right? Can't we just all say we're which, all- uh, which I'm not. What I'm, right. I'm mostly saying is, you know, think a little like me. It would make me happy. Right. Uh, but but not trying to change people. And I think yeah, like if someone's giving me, offers you some advice, it's you could tell whether it's a dick move or it's someone's trying to help you. Right. And uh, if you separate your own, you know, fears from it, the, the answer is pretty clear. Yeah, that's right. And it, why, why take it personally anyway? Or why, why be threatened by it anyway? Yeah. It's like when someone tweets some weird shit at you. It's like it's just one weird person. Right. Like why am I letting this take over right. literally hours of my life? Right, right, right. Especially when some uh, – there was a positive tweet right beforehand, you know? So, right. Well, I think isn't that the problem? 
is that you believe the positive one and then you open exactly. yourself up to believing the negative one because the guy that said something sweet about you too is also out of his mind. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you're like, ah, yeah. Philly K, <laughs> Philly K, thanks, buddy. I am a genius. Yeah. So I guess the, you know, the, the, the higher ability is to just kind of convince yourself that, that the good ones are real and the fake ones are bullshit. I suppose so. <laughs> That that's some uh, enlightened, uh, you know, really, really self deception or whatever. Right. So going back to the girls, when did that end? When when did that? Uh... Um, about three months ago. No, that's not long at all. No, sorry. No, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? I just uh, I know. I feel it. I yeah. feel it for you. I'm feeling it for you. Stop feeling it for a second. I feel. I'll, I'll I feel, feel it for. It for you. I feel. I feel I'll, what you're going through. Also, what do you mean? I know you're going through something. What's that? Your relationship stuff. <laughs> Am I? Yeah, you're. <laughs> <laughs> you're wondering if you should get into a relationship. I think is what you're wondering about. Well, I wonder that all the time. I wonder who's well, right is this for the right time for us kooks. For us kooks. Well, yeah, it's a battle between uh, loneliness and uh, uh, self uh, reliability, re- self reliance, and all that sort of stuff. And then also, I did catch myself. I talked about in therapy that I realize that now when I see couples. Unfortunately, I'm not proud of this. Somewhere in the back of my mind, I go, fuck these idiots. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not proud of that. I'm like a sweet man, and I'm in a yogurt shop. And here's what will often happen is uh, there will be an attractive girl come in and then some schlub behind her, and I'll just immediately be like, oh, great. Look at these <laughs> fucking momos. You ruined your life, you yeah. hot chick. You idiots. Even you my had me. My, yeah, well, the Ray Charles <laughs> could have been me, or it should have been me. Uh, but that I, 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 there's a couple things that I've uncovered recently. One is uh, being threatened by all men, looking at men, and on some level assessing whether or not they're better than me. Just real primal ape shit going, is this guy stronger, faster, better, smarter than me? Is he a Daft Punk song than me? Uh-huh. And then uh, I, when I look at girls, I want them to want me. And then if they're with somebody else, I'm like, you're a fucking idiot. You know what I mean? Just real childish sort of stuff. But, but you're already coming out of it, it sounds like. You're already looking at it in a different way. I, well, yeah. I love getting the leaf blower on all these issues. Yeah. Just mess it all up and get it out there. And even talking about it on the show is, is helpful to me. And, and literally, uh, my therapist today was just like, when you see somebody, instead of having like knee jerk, you fucking idiot, why not just be like, I'm, you know, for lack of a better word, I, I bless your couple or, or here's some positivity. Good, good, not good for you. That sounds too fake. But, you know, just like, here's some love from me to you for what it's worth. In my heart, when I see you and this girl and this guy, here's some love to you and also love to myself and my future potential for something like that. It sounds so touchy feely, but it's real. No, it's good. It's a it's a simple adjustment that you can make in your head that yeah. that uh, the maybe they are happy. Yeah, you know, uh, I, you you kind of just think, wow, I bet they they they'd be better if they were me. Right, <laughs> <laughs> which is insane, you know, to look at things like that. Well, I talk a lot about we're talking about open hearts, and I I sometimes feel that my heart is getting hard in the terms of relate. When Casey did the show, she said that she got engaged, and I was kind of like. How are you going to make that work? You know what I mean? That yeah, was like right. my first impulse. I don't want to be the guy at the back of the wedding in the rented tux with the double scotch and it's 4 p.m. And he's just like, I give it a year. Yeah. Good for you, fuck dick. <laughs> right. What's Great. the point? Bravo. Yeah. Ass face, dick breath. And what do you think that comes from? Maybe you're like, I would have maybe liked to go out with Casey sometime. Was it that kind of thing? 
Well, I mean, possibly. I mean, yeah. Probably, yeah, yeah. And so that was like uh, a road that was going to be cut off. Well, maybe, maybe just like every woman is what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying the girl. I'm, I'm thinking of a specific girl that I saw today. I'm just like maybe you and me, and yeah, then yeah. some guy who comes in who is immediately threatening to me, and he's with her, and I'm like, yeah, hold your hands, let everyone know, <laughs> you stupid garbage people. <laughs> Declare your love. <laughs> they have to establish the parameter. They have to say, like, Pete, this is what's happening. Yeah. I'm holding her hand. I'm con- yeah. It's yeah. a billboard. Off. Not for sale. But but there's so many people out there. I know. You know, like, uh, my, my therapist, we're going to talk about a therapist. My therapist is like, what's um, your therapist he name? talks a little like Dr. Phil. Okay. Um, his name is Neil. Uh, <laughs> he'd be like, you know, you don't have to have a limit on your love. You could like you feel jealousy, but it doesn't mean that that she doesn't love you because she's friends with another guy. She could love that guy, and that's fine as long as it doesn't interfere in your relationship. Yeah, which is which is true. Like that's uh, jealousy. Um, jealousy is dumb because you can share all this stuff. Like uh, you and other comedians are doing shows or movies. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not jealous. Um, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to, you know, I'm not crazy. I'd like to work and stuff, but I'm very happy for everybody because it's, it's not, uh, you're not keeping me from being on TV, right? And someone's not keeping me from being in films, right? You know, so like, just don't worry about other people. Like I always, it's another cliche that I use, but you know, you don't win the race by looking at the other horses, right? You know, so just go, yeah, and uh, keep your head down. And know that they're not, you're not taking money out of my pocket because there's money somewhere and I'll find it, right? You know, and it's the same thing with um, love. With love, you know, if someone's available, you you check it out, and if not, you know, there's there's other people, right? But it's that feeling of abundance or depravity. This is something that comes up on the show a lot. You either have a limited amount of love, which is kind of what a jealous person thinks. Yeah, you have this love, and if you're not giving it to me, you're giving it to someone else, and that should be mine. I yeah. deserve that. There's only so much food. There's only so much love. Give it to me. Or you're your Dr. Phil therapist and you're saying, if I have you as a friend and I have Katie as a friend, that doesn't mean I'm less friends with Katie just because I'm friends with you or whatever. Yes. But a jealous person does see it as that way, which is fucking AIDS. It's just AIDS yeah. and it's in the way. And like, and looking at a guy and being and, and just trying to judge him and see like, is this guy cooler than me or what's going on? Yeah. Uh, I know personally how, how, how faulty a human can be and appear to be healthy. Yes. So right. I never take that for granted. If someone's super cool and, and, and they're doing fine, right. you know, everyone has their shit. So that's exactly right. I feel, I feel like if I'm working on what I'm doing and I'm, and I feel it's positive, then, then I, I'm a step ahead of what I used to be, which is good enough. There you go. Yeah, man. Hey, Horatio. <laughs> hey, Horatio. Fucking A, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's right. It's true. It's like I, I think about, you know, jealousy. You can have some girl, your girlfriend, like some fella and wants to hang out with him. You can either uh, deny that, which I've been in relationships like that. Like, I don't want you hanging out with that girl or whatever. You can deny that uh, and then have the person just kind of long for that friendship or whatever, which is kind of creepy to have yeah. this mind relationship with them. Or let them hang out. And realize that just like you're saying, they're also filled with flaws. They're also on the same field of impermanence as we all are. And that's fine. <laughs> no. And if your girlfriend leaves you for him, yeah. 
that's probably better for you to to, to not have a person that is, that would do that that would do that so quickly. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, it's um, with a guy named Rocco. Rocco's a cool guy. I've seen him. <laughs> Very funny too. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> I love it. Well, let, let's talk about let's talk about the Lord. Do you want to talk about the Lord? We yeah, talk about let's a little talk bit. About the Lord. <laughs> Get him another tiny water, please, Katie. Is that a chair so you keep your spine engaged? Mm-hmm. Nicely done. I, I need that. We all have bad backs, Katie. We all have bad backs. Thank you. So uh, you're from Chile. I was born in Chile, and uh, my parents moved to Chicago when I was two months old. Chilean sounds delicious, right? It does. Uh, don't, don't I sound exotic and tasty? This is Horacio. How did you say it earlier? Horacio. Horacio. But you said something earlier. Is that what you said? Horacio? This is Horacio. He's delicioso. <laughs> Muy delicioso. Uh, and uh, I have to – here. let's play the assumption game. Catholic? Yes, Catholic. Ah. Uh, <laughs> born, though. I was born into it. Yeah. But I wasn't ever enc- um, encouraged to, to get into it. Like, my really, father was yeah. agnostic and my mother believed a little bit. So I was, never really went to church or – in fact, I more grew, of a I grew Dia up, de los Muertos guy. I know that's Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> I am now more a Dia de los Muertos. <laughs> I love a good Dia, and that's why I'm not afraid of ghosts. Cause yeah, because I, I think they're just uh, skeletons with mariachi. They're just coming guitars. out making noise. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. they don't really and eating the food that we left. For they them. sometimes drive your lover crazy and make them kill you. But is that true? Um, well, that's what people. That's what Ooh, horror movies say. Les Muertos. But most, most, yeah, like like when you see the celebrities talking about ghosts. Yeah. It's not like, you know, my dad was working on a car and a ghost pushed it over and killed him. Right. It's like, I heard the piano's tingling. (laughs) (laughs) The piano keys were tingling. And I looked and there was no one there. (laughs) Bill Burr has a great bit about like, if you're a ghost, why are you doing those things? He's like, (laughs) I would be at the Super Bowl in the huddle. I'd be flying to the moon, not in a basement. That's really great. (laughs) Isn't that great? Bill Burr, everybody. Not mine. Uh, so uh, you had an agnostic father, yeah, and a mother who dabbled, yeah. And so I grew up pretty. I was pretty young when I when I kind of didn't believe it. I tried, you know, I, I believed in Santa and tried to keep that on as long as I could, mm. but hard to let go of Santa. Yeah, I still haven't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you didn't have uh, the don't don't use your penis thing. That's a big Catholic thing. <laughs> no, I, they didn't. I never really talked to my, the only kind of conversation I had, which is sad, is that don't let anybody touch your penis. Oh, okay. Don't let anybody touch your parts. Right. If they do, scream and run. So yeah. then it just made me afraid that everybody wanted to touch my penis. <laughs> Walking around waiting for it. <laughs> yeah. Any second at the Dairy Queen. Mm. I'm still waiting. I know I'm delicioso. <laughs> didn't happen. So you were you were okay to use your dick. No. I mean, I wasn't okay until later, but because we didn't talk about it, so I didn't really know. And I didn't really talk about it with my brothers. I, it was just mostly like how kids learn like by looking at pictures and now maybe the internet. Yeah. Um, so I didn't have the healthiest understanding of sexual uh, sexuality as a, as a you forged, preteen. Because you forged your own. Yeah. When are we losing it? Um. Probably like in high in high school, high school. Able, like last years of high school. Okay, well, that's not bad. Then, then, I, then I lost. Then I got it again. You got your virginity and then, again. And then I got my virginity again. And I lost it again. Like during <laughs> SNL, sometime. Wait, you had a, <laughs> had a real dry spell. 
<laughs> you had like a two-year dry spell. Yeah, yeah, it was a very dry spell. Yeah. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah, yeah. You just took a break from sex? Yeah. You fuck. You had sex. I, I didn't. It wasn't on purpose. Yeah. You know, I was just on my mind. Bits, drinking you know? beer. Yeah, drinking beer, doing bits, <laughs> like being the life of the party. And then the next day, I'd be like, I don't want to have lunch with you. Uh... Um, yeah. So, so you the really roaring twenties. So during your roaring twenties, you literally, while you were kind of hitting the hitting the road doing comedy, you weren't you weren't uh, dating or or having intercourse. No, no, not a lot. Uh-huh. And it was mostly because of fear of just like. Who are these people that I'm letting into my life? I really? Mean, yeah, it was a lot of. So pre pre fame, you had that sort of who's this lunatic? Yeah. Huh. Uh, because I've I'd already been I'd already had like weird kind of stalkery things happen to me uh, from Second City. Really? So I was already kind of weirded out by, no. by strangers. Who? Don't I, don't I bring really, it up now. Yeah, yeah. You give them a shout out. <laughs> 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 but how did that manifest? Letters or just presence? I, I started with letters. What was it, Horatio? It was someone letters? who kind of tried to just control what I was doing. Like they'd be like, "We're hanging out," and like, "No, no, yeah, we're hanging." What's wrong, man? You know that kind of thing. Like Weird. someone just constantly being on you Sorry, and making you feel bad. Sounds like it's a dude. Yeah, yeah. It was a fella. Yeah, a fella was invasive in your life. Yes, interesting. I know. We- so. But it was it's the same it's the same things that happen if it was like a girl and a guy or whoever it's yeah. the same kind of things your your brain goes to so that I was very protective of myself hmm. after that and so it did lead to a time where I wouldn't let people in a hermit like time yes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which made it great for my career also because I was completely focused on well on that because I had nothing else I'm gonna say that that's what <laughs> that's what my marriage did I was married so the box was ticked which is the mo- least romantic thing you can say but I didn't have to worry about finding somebody. I had somebody, so I was able to just focus. I was on the road. I wasn't trying to fuck waitresses and some shit. I went, got a yeah, good yeah. night's rest and let my subconscious churn on the material. And how was your marriage doing? It was all right. It was I mean, all right. Like, I was a kid. I didn't know what a marriage was, and neither did she. So we were fine. We were happy. Good. It wasn't like you got to get off the road or anything. She was very supportive. Good. I like to hear, you know, especially now, I like to hear when relationships, whether they're long, that they're just, uh, they were very... You learned from them and you grew from them, and it wasn't yeah, like it was fine. Yeah, there's no nobody's winning. No from... one fucked anyone over. Well, she did fuck me <laughs> over. <laughs> Sorry, it's okay. She no, but she she did what she needed to do to get free, which is uh, Bobby D. Bob Dylan. Uh, she she did fall in love with somebody else, and his name was Rocco. That's where I got that name. Oh, from okay, her, which is completely fine. Uh, but um, so yeah, they they boned, and now they're together and have kids and stuff. But uh. Completely fine. You gotta be. Yeah, you gotta be I happy. Am, I am completely happy. Yeah, completely, completely. Over it is not right. I'm not over it. I, I went through it. I learned and grew and all that sort of stuff. So that's fine. And now you know we're just two schlubs on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> the weakest missed high five of all time. Yeah, people will look back on this podcast and go, "Those guys were going through some shit." <laughs> <laughs> Are they okay? It's a weird time. It's a weird thing to be ha- happy, happy fellas, happy, happy fellas doing what we want to do. Friends, life, love. We got things happening. I have a, I have cupboards full of delicious crackers. You understand? Always, but yeah. still, everybody's dealing with this stuff. I think that's a big part of life is to be like it doesn't matter how together you are. Like you were saying earlier, underneath that, there's some stuff. And if we talk a little bit, we get to it. Yeah, we'll be I- right. Back let's yeah, let's be right Horatio back. Sands. <laughs> no, please. Uh, where were you going? Oh, I forget. That's all right. So Catholicism, Catholic Jesus, 
didn't stop you from using your dick as much as a weird stalker. And uh, now where are we with the Lord? Do we believe in something? Um, no, I don't really think so. Uh, okay. So like your father or like a no? I think like my father. I think it's too mysterious to, to just say no. Sure. But um, but I doubt it. You I'm, think staring have- at, I'm staring at an alien right now that's sitting in the corner of the studio. Yeah. And I'm uh, – I don't even believe in aliens really. Oh, um, come on. Until they show up. Ah, on, someone's got to show up and say, hey. There are our, thousands our, and our thousands of UFO <laughs> sightings. There are. There are. People see them all the time. But the, how come they haven't shown their faces? Aliens? Yeah. I don't know, man. You I mean, know, some machine has to have a malfunction and they just crash into like Yankee Stadium. If it can get here. They or must... a suicidal alien. Or like, a hostile gonna... alien. Yeah. Uh, my favorite alien theory is why we don't visit ants. You know what I mean? Like, why why would they be interested in us? Even we, if I we saw- do visit ants, <laughs> ant farms, <laughs> ant farms captivate us. They captivate our imaginations. Are you selling us ant farms right now? <laughs> even if I saw an ant on a bicycle, even if their technology started to advance, I'd still be like, "Fuck ants!" <laughs> like, I just wouldn't be interested. You're not you're not uh, impressed when you see an ant carrying like a chip. It's four times the size of them. I am. I think it's awesome. <laughs> you love ants. I do. So no, Lord. Fear uh, of judgment upon death? No. I'm going to guess that you have a no for that. Judgment upon death? Yeah, you die. What happens? Over? Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. I think I think so. I hate to think I, – I mean, I hate to, to think that there's nothing else, but um, uh, that's what I kind of believe. Lights out. Yeah. Good night. Um. Yeah, but coming back is something else. I don't know. Really? That's, um. Now I'm interested. Why not? You know why not? Maybe there's an infinite number of there's a there's a finite number of souls mm. that they get to live in this They're atmosphere. Recycled. Yeah. Do you ever get the sense that you've been around before? Yes. There you go. Whenever something good happens to me, I felt I I feel like I was an asshole in the past. And when something bad happens, I feel like I I had a good life in the past. I so I feel it's like you're. You keep going back, uh, so that you're you're like a better human. Wait, shouldn't it be Wait, if something good that's... happens to you, you were good in the past, right? No, because like say, say you were like building the railroads and you worked really hard and you died when you were twenty five. Yes, that I hope that the next time that person comes back, that he's like Hugh Hefner. Ha! You know that's great. You would hope that that's. The I'd case. love to sit in on a Hugh Hefner past life regression session, where he's just like, <laughs> uh, "Building railroad, can't use my dick." <laughs> but, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I love that. So that's an openness to that, but unburdened with any sort of concern of uh, fear of God. No, just I just of- have a conscious a conscience. Yeah, conscience. I have a conscience uh, about the things I do, and uh, and I think it's more important than anything I could attribute to a higher power. There you go. All right. I love that answer. Do you want Thank to sing you. a song at uh, the same time? Yeah, what song? Are we going to we'll improvise it? it? Yeah, we'll make it okay. up. But we'll be talking at the same time, singing at the same time. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah, let's do it. Fine. Fine. Fine is fun, and fun is fine. Let's have a good time.
people love nice people <laughs> and they love you. <laughs> Nachos. <laughs> that was very good. Yeah. I'm excited. Do you know uh, the hardest you've ever laughed? Um, Off the air? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly yeah, I'm something. a shock jock. You know what I remember? Uh, there's there's several, but one I remember as a kid was Benny Hill. Mm. And Benny Hill was doing this thing with the... the, the they were having a wheelchair race. <laughs> and... And, and the first time I saw it, this there's this old general in a wheelchair, and he goes off a hill and falls off a cliff. And they follow this this old guy falling off a wheelchair, and he just <laughs> smashes on the ground. And when I first saw it, they cut to commercial. And I'm like, that's brilliant. It's so fucking funny and terrible that, that they ended it with a death, and they're like, that's it. We're going to commercial. Uh, <laughs> In repeat, he gets up and he's like, whoa, why are you? I'm like, no, don't get up. <laughs> he dies and the chair smashes and it just cuts to a crest yeah, commercial. Yeah, and that, I guess that tells you more about where I'm coming from than anything. Is that I, would, I like to leave room for that death to yeah, be funny. Yeah. No, know? we get a lot of that. We get a lot of people laughing at uh, disaster, a lot of comedians laugh at disaster, at loss, at something really, really sad, really getting them. That's not that's not like truly sad, but that's comedically sad. You yeah, know what I mean, because sometimes things get so sad that it's ridiculous, and that is funny, right? Like, uh, I mean, I can't give you an example right now, but um, but that that feeling of like when you're watching TV with a, a girlfriend or a friend, and and there's a horrible item, and you start laughing, right? I'm like, it's so awful that it has to be funny. Yep. That's no? exactly right. That's often our response, our coping mechanism with our own mortality, and this is no new ground here, but that's what falling is. You see something fall and die, and you realize, I will someday fall, perhaps, and die, and then the only response, your brain gets overwhelmed, and it comes out as laughter. So when people, you know, have I told this story on the show before? I saw a dog get, uh, it's so sad, I saw a dog get hit by a car, and it's not funny, Okay. Harish. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't funny, and I'm embarrassed by this story, but he was a little purse dog, and I didn't actually see it get hit. I just, I think, does this sound familiar? I saw a dog running in the street, and people were trying to save it, and, and then they didn't save it. Okay. okay and I yes. don't, I didn't see it die, but I saw people stop trying to save it. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. And, okay, that is one of, Okay, this is reasonable, rational Pete talking to you right now. One of the saddest things ever. It's just tragic, and it, it does haunt me, that whole memory. That night, I went to my buddy Pat, Pat Walsh's house, and we were drinking, and they just said, how was your day? And I just started telling what I thought was the sad thing that I just saw, and I laughed like an insane person. <laughs> And in my craziness, in this kind of momentary hysteria, I actually thought everyone else was going to laugh as well. Because I was like, it's something cute and precious. And it just for no reason isn't alive anymore. And I was weeping with laughter uh, that, because I think my brain just Because it was too much. It, it was, was just too much. much. It was yeah. too much. I'm, I'm not saying 
that that's appropriate or something. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not proud of that story. But like, there are good laughs being had at funerals and uh, you know memorials. You know what I mean? It's too much sometimes, uh, and that's what and that's what your brain does. Yeah. I've never told that story before. I think about it all the time. <laughs> well, you're not a bad person for laughing. You know, it's like you're. Uh, it was certainly later. It, it was really weird yeah. if I rolled a few down drinks. the window. Yeah, and you well, probably you're probably trying to be very sincere, and it was coming off funny. Well, that's actually. You know what? It's funny that you say that. That was part of it. Yeah. Why was I telling this story? <laughs> How are you? Well, today. What the fuck? It was an Oscar party. Yeah. <laughs> like, tell tell a better anecdote. So I'm, I'm completely with you. So Benny Hill falling, that's a good one. Any childhood ones are silly. They don't even have to make sense. Oh, in, eight, in like seventh grade, I couldn't stop laughing at something and my teacher actually like like hit me. <laughs> uh, he was like the like the black teacher in uh, Stand By Me or whatever. Like mm-hmm. no, that's I'm mixing two movies. It's the one with the the, the principal. Yeah, Morgan Freeman, Stand By yeah, Me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, my my teacher was like that, and uh, I had laughed or something, and then he was like, laugh again, <laughs> laugh again, and I was like, fuck, this is so crazy, like, and I couldn't help it, and he laughed, and then he, like, hit my hand with a ruler, oh like, my God. everybody. <laughs> when I hit Horatio, <clears throat> I, got, I got something in my mouth, when I hit Mr. Horatio. Mr. Walker. Yeah, Mr. Walker whacked you with Great a ruler. Great guy, Great guy. I deserved it. <laughs> You swallowed a clown. I swallowed a clown, yeah. He had feathers in the underwear. <laughs> well, good, man. You got another one? No, I'm, I'm trying to think of times I really laughed. I couldn't stop. Oh, there's. can I tell you one boring story yeah. about one I really, really laughed, really, really, like, couldn't stop? It's what we're here for. Uh, I'm at, we're at SNL at the read-through table, right? And someone writes, someone writes a song inside of a scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was Chris Kattan. And so he writes... Mango or somebody singing with or without you mm-hmm. by you two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now the musical director didn't know the song, so she wrote her own song uh, of uh, with or without you to the same lyrics with the same lyrics but a different tune. So what we heard was with or without you, with or without you, I can't live with or without you. <laughs> and Catan's face, looking at the woman. Was so fucking priceless. He's like, he's like, what was that? What's going on? And the lady trying so hard to make it good and just making a little mistake, and Catan just having his scene completely fucked over was just the funniest thing. I I laughed for like hours. With or without you, with or without you, I can't live. With or without you. <laughs> what, kind what was of, that? What kind of musical director doesn't know with or without you? Well, it's this thing, you know, like you're you're busy and you're getting scripts and you're being told <laughs> to compose these songs really fast and you don't sometimes you don't even have time to talk to them. They just like, all right, you come up with a, a song. You know? <laughs> but she admits that it was you too. So. I can't live. <laughs> <laughs> and is there a better face for that story than Chris Kattan? No. <laughs> no, it's so fucking good. <laughs> fucking fantastic. Let's go over this piece of paper, see if I missed anything. Attracted to comic book girls. We were looking at comic books before the show, and I admitted that I was aroused by one of them. By one of the comic book girls? One of the characters or one of the Yeah, writers? remember I pointed it to her. Oh, that that yeah. character? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Foxy. Foxy Broad. April O'Neil still does it for me from the Ninja Turtles. Anybody? Any animated person. 
Um, it can also be no. You're a grown man. Not really, no. Yeah. I just wrote down love. Because it's not real. Yeah. In a, even, a, even in a movie, the person exists. But in a cartoon, I'm like, I'm not going oh, to yeah, fuck a drawing. No, I'm not going home. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't get it. <laughs> I'm with you. Although a friend of mine, Jared Logan, who's going to do the show, was telling me uh, he has a bit about. He's like, I like anime porn, and he's like, it's better. There's no one, no one's losing in in porn. You know, he's making the presumption that uh, the girl doesn't want to do it, which is, I guess, fair. But he's saying when you just draw people, no, there's no victim or whatever. It's just, yeah, you're the only victim. I don't know. I used to think that the the, the porn was terrible uh, for those same reasons, but. Um... I just keep finding that people are more into that than, than you I mean thought. The yeah. I actually, uh, people listening to the show know this. I'm off porn, not for ethical reasons or any sort of judgment if, you, if people like enjoy porn. But uh, I've been doing more and more research and just, you know, searching myself. It's not, it's not the best thing for me to be doing uh, to program your body for, to learn instant gratification, to learn uh, instant novelty. You can always have a different person, another person. I think it's, it's decaying monogamous relationships. It's decaying regular relationships. People just like knowing that there's a switch that they can flip that will get them off quickly and in a, in a real way. Your brain, your brain doesn't really know too well that you're not fucking the three girls that you're looking at. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially if you get some good lube in there and the <laughs> mood lighting. You know what I mean? <laughs> Throw on some earphones. <laughs> I mean, so th- you could also say that's wonderful. Isn't it great that we can synthesize a sexual experience and, and have it uh, at a whim? But it's, uh, it's doing something strange to our brains. It's training us to uh, enjoy kind of a fast food style of, of lovemaking. That's true. Yeah, I've, I've, I've read articles of uh, kids coming up and, and like that's what sex is now is that, right. you know, three guys have to put their penises in the mud, mud hole. Right, exactly. So that's normal. Right. Fuck. I thought that so was with, with or without you. <laughs> with or without you. With, that did sound like where the streets have no name. But when you know you were talking about, um, you're talking about things like that are like the Simpsons joke about um, LASIK. LASIK. I'll, I used to think too that that you have to change your ringer. If not, you're going to hear that when you're 70, like constantly. Like <laughs> that is a weird one. <laughs> yeah. Like gotta, what if some just in our brains, like yeah, You know, something. Mine is Tony Soprano's his ringtone. It rings so many times in all. Like wake up this like the song. No, no, no. His actual ringtone. I couldn't mimic it for you right now, but if I heard it, I would be able to identify Tony Soprano's ringtone. Is it like the newer one of the iPhone presets? No, no, no. Because you know it's older, so it was like it's like it's beeps. Can you play it? Can you play it? Maybe insert it. Yeah. Okay, good. Just type Later. in. You know, Katie's going to get it right now. It'll be no problem. What the? That's your phone. That's your huge phone. What kind of phone is that? It's a Samsung. Oh, yeah. There and you I'm, go. You know, I'm not thrilled with it. It is really big. <laughs> it's, it's a little cumbersome. <laughs> I, I was just like, oh, this is perfect. You're going to plug the phone. <laughs> Samsung's going to hear it and be excited and no, send I you free let that shit. Happen, right. And you went, I'm not thrilled with it. I couldn't just do a perfectly nice promo for it and that get, was get a new phone. Of course not. I'm worried about getting really old and then having some sort of early uh, you know, dementia just kind of creeping in and becoming a complete piece of shit. Like just the negative side of me. Let me tell up. you what I what I think about that. And this is a very very strange idea. Mm. But um, 
You should have a gun in a lockbox. <laughs> and you should have a friend who you really trust. And you either kill yourself in the ocean or you have, you know, you have someone kill you. Is you, there- make, you make a deal. If I go crazy, you kill me. If you go crazy, I kill you. Wow. And we do it at the ocean so no one has to clean it up. And added bonus, if you survive the gunshot, you drown. That's my... Yeah, and that's supposed to be great. Drowning? They tell you, yeah. Right? That's like... like um, you know, that came up recently. Triple orgasm. Is that what they say? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're reminding me of the movie The Prestige. Have you seen The Prestige? I haven't. Uh, it's a great it's a great twist where they go like, uh, drowning is very pleasant. Anyway, you should watch it. Oh, Do you shit. have it? I will. Yeah. Here it is. Tony. Sure this is it. I can't remember. Yeah, Tony Soprano's ringtone. That's, oh, that's a, great. It happens nice so much. Yeah, yeah, good old one. I remember my first ringtone. It was called Jump, and it was on the Nokia, and it went do 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 do. That's called Jump. The guy that just does old ringtones. Yeah. This next one's called Snake. Yeah, this next one came out on uh, StarTac. <laughs> it's supposed to be a robotic uh, lullaby. <laughs> and of course, I'll close with Holler Murder. Drooled. <laughs> His big closer. That's the encore. Drooled. <laughs> We've had a lot of fun, have we? Absolutely. Yeah, a great time. Do you feel good? I do. I feel great. Thank you for having me on your podcast. You've been sleeping okay? Yeah. With yeah. the help of drugs. You take drugs every night? Yeah. Weed drugs. Uh, Z-Z-Z- pharmaceuticals sometimes. ZZZQL? Ambien? Ambien CR? No, Ambien's a little too hard on me. I'll take like a... Tylenol PM? I'll take like a, an Ativan, as I mentioned before. Ooh. I'll tell you why you shouldn't do that. Because it's good? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that was fantastic. Why shouldn't I do that? Um, go ahead and Google this. Oh, well, I'm not going to Google anything right. that's going to be bad about it. Just Am listen. I going to lose my mind? No, no, no. But you are losing REM sleep. You're probably dreaming less. Have you noticed? Yes. Hmm. I dream. I don't want to dream. Yeah, you do. No. That's... I dream in life, brother. Uh, <laughs> that, I feel like we're in a Native American bookstore and you just served me. Who needs, who needs sleep? For- for fucking make your, own, man. Make your own dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Live in a dream. People go to bed to dream. I get out of bed to dream. Horatio Sands, you made it weird. <laughs> it's on a clock with an eagle on it. <laughs> you fucking maniac. I love it. Raish, uh, look into REM sleep and why you need it. Okay. Or don't. Jeff Garland told me that. Jeff Garland. He's a... That son of a... I know, right? I shared cheese fries with him in Chicago, and he had a stroke a week later. <laughs> that kind of... That'll put a damn... me down, you... a, down a wormhole yeah. and wasn't happy with. Yeah. It's like the next day, you're like, we both had Indian food. Why do We're you... We're both fat guys eating yeah. cheese fries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. had a stroke. Yeah. I, I should get drunk. <laughs> uh... I should get drunk to forget about that. Can we do Jeff Garland? Oh my Nunez does a great Joe Nunez does a great Jeff Garland. He has to have to like stick his tongue in his up over his teeth a little Yeah. I can't do it. That's like my uh, Jeff Bridges. I've been trying to do Jeff Bridges, which is That's all. You're waiting for more, it's over. Hey, hey, come on.
come on, man. That's, that's the way wrestling, man. It's not good. It's very good. Oh, thanks. Very good. This has been You Made It Weird. <laughs> Horatio Sands. Horatio, one to one. Would you say keep it crispy? It's how we end. Oh, yeah. Keep yeah. it crispy, huh? You, right? Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. you really worked it in. Yeah. It was a natural delivery. I like yeah, it. I believe it. You, you like what? My, Del, I played with Del Taco. <laughs> I usually play with those the whole show. Yeah, Del Taco, uh, big, big, big tweet of mine. I said, all the best Mexican improvisers studied with Del Taco. <laughs> <laughs> Always end on a laugh. That's great. That's really great. All right. Thanks for doing it, man. Good to see you, Rach. My pleasure. Great seeing you. All right. You. Bye. It's like a phone call. Goodbye. <laughs> now leaving nerdist.com.